What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. Guys, and welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world wondering stardom. I am your host, Rob Goodwin. I am joined as ever by Mr. Matt Turner. Matt Turner, how are you on this fine, fine day on the lead up to Thanksgiving? Absolutely, brother. I am fantastic as always. Blessed, happy to be here. Yes, as we're recording. It is the day before Thanksgiving, and Rob Goodwin, my friends and family of the Stardom cast, I can't think of a better way to spend my holiday weekend, my holiday time off, with two of my favorite people in the entire world. No, Rob Goodwin, I'm not talking about Amber and Lily, my wife and my daughter. I'm talking about <laughs> your Tommy Hayashisa and Sayaka Matani, because brother, the queens are back. The queens are back. Um, we were talking yesterday, so uh, we recorded our next alternate commentary, which hilariously, ironically, considering everything that's gone down over the last week, um, was the red belt match between Julia and Tam at, uh, at All-Star Grand Queendom. And we were talking about how, oh, there's going to be quite a lot to talk about on uh, on tomorrow's episode. And then even more dropped today. And goodness gracious me, do we have some things to talk about, both positive and negative. Um, but yes, one of the huge positives to come out of this, of course, is the return from injury of Utami and Sayat, who have been very, very sorely missed on these shows, Matt. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. We mentioned how there's so much news to talk about, and uh, we, you know, we will review the uh, three shows that uh, you know to get us get us all caught up. And I was just looking over my notes about an hour or so ago, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot Mariah and Soriano had one of the best Wonder of Stardom Championship matches a handful of days ago because there's so much that's uh, that's going on. But yes, it's great to see that uh, Utami and Saya will be coming back at the uh, the same time. And this, you know, we made mention Rob about two shows ago that uh, the, these last few Corkin shows, because of the injury, they've drawn under a thousand people. Hmm. And now this Corkin show coming up uh, this upcoming Tuesday is absolutely loaded. So it's, I think I've, uh, you know, obviously we'll get into it towards the latter part of the show, but I think this Corkin show coming up on Tuesday is going to be an absolute banger is going to draw huge numbers for stardom. Absolutely. And today, <laughs> Obviously, with everything going on in stardom, a lot of what is going on behind the scenes and things have been has been brought to light. Um, uh, the chances are we're going to be talking about you know quite a lot of negativity around stardom, but it is really really important to remember that despite all that, there was still a lot of good things to happen this weekend, um, and we are going to be talking about them. Mike, you've already said Mariah versus Soriano. Um, there was obviously a great time limit draw, which you know. I don't often say, but a great time limit draw on the New Blood West 1 show between Hannon and Maysera. Um The triple threat between Suzu, um, Starlight Kid and Azumi, and of course Starlight Kid coming back from injury. Um, so, yes, you know, it might seem a little bit at the moment like there is a little bit of negativity surrounding stardom. But with everything we're going to talk about and with the positives and with the returns from injuries, you know, we are going to try our best to focus on those positives. Um, uh, and as we always do, Matt, as uh, as you always say on the Patreon, we like to uh, talk about it in a positive and what we like to think fun manner. So we've got a lot in terms of news to dissect can't wait to wade into that of course we're going to be talking about this weekend's shows new blood west one which saw rena defending the future of stardom belt against hanako and we're going to be talking about the gold rush show which matt said has had a fantastic white belt match on it which again i'm looking very much to talking about but before we talk about any of that matt before we talk about stardom and bushy road and julia and all this how are you and how are you preparing for your thanksgiving weekend i am preparing by i i when we recorded our alternate commentary yesterday uh, before we we actually hit the record button we were talking and i gave you just a glimpse of how insane the last five or six days uh, for me have, have been and uh, once we get done with this podcast, I'm literally going to file a few emails. I'm going to take my work phone and I'm going to do my outgoing message, basically saying I am on a holiday break until Tuesday. And then I am uh, making the trip to pick up my daughter, Lily, and I'm starting my Thanksgiving weekend and doing a little bit of recharging, my friend, which I'm really, really looking forward to. So uh, tonight we'll be spending some time with uh, with the girls. And I don't mean you, Tommy and Saya, my my actual <laughs> the two most important people. That was just a bit, folks. We're like, what's he doing? Uh, so we'll be doing some stuff with that. Uh, we, uh, Lily and I will be indulging in the uh, first eggnog of the season. I'm a big fan of the eggnog. Um, so that'll be that's always nice. Nice little tradition little daddy-daughter tradition uh, that we have. And then tomorrow, of course, Rob Gould and I will be going to the gym first thing in the morning because I am absolutely insane. 
And then uh, we will be doing Thanksgiving dinner over my sister-in-law's house, which she lives about two miles away. And then when that is done, we will be taking the hour trip back home to my hometown of Old Forge, Pennsylvania, pizza capital of the world. And we'll be having dessert with my grandfather and uh, my parents. And then uh, and then pretty much from that, it's kind of we're just going to be low key. I'll probably get caught up on a whole bunch of stardom stuff. I'd like to get caught up on a whole bunch of New Japan stuff. Uh, I still have not seen the finals of the G1 Climax just because I'm, you know, to anybody that's listened to this podcast, to the shock of no one, I've been watching a lot of stardom and uh, gratefully so. And also Saturday is a Survivor Series. So that'll obviously go into our EO and Kyrie talk. So I'm really looking forward to the uh, Damage Control versus Team Charlotte uh, War Games match. So that's pretty much what I got going on the next four or five days. And I'm really, really looking forward to kind of just taking a half a step back, recharging my batteries and then coming back super strong. Uh, next Tuesday to uh, close out the year, my friend. Absolutely. It's terrifying on uh, on one hand just to think how quickly this year has gone. We were talking um, yesterday about Supreme Fight, which was um, the show that saw Julia against Suzu Suzuki in the main event. And as we were talking about it, I was like, I'm sure this match was last year. I'm sure that... And it wasn't. It it just seems to have sort of flown by in the blink of an eye, and to think that you know next week we're in December is uh, it's quite a frightening proposition, especially when you are as bad at Christmas shopping as I am. Um, I don't think Kirsty will enjoy um, any Stardom merchandise, which unfortunately seems to uh, cut out a lot of my shopping expertise. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what I can get. Well, you know, you know, buddy, we did say we want to get some more content on the YouTube channel with uh, shorter <laughs> clips. And I tell you what, I am all for back me up here, folks, on Stardom. I'm all for uh, you videotaping Kirsty opening up a Starlight Kid mask uh, on Christmas morning. I am all for that. That'll get a thousand views like that, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. A paint your a, paint your own Fukikin death face. I think that would be an incredible gift. For Kirsty, Stardom again. If you want these <laughs> ideas for Stardom Shop, then please feel free take them. I can't think of any. I might just get Fuki and Death's face as a bauble um, for the Christmas tree. Um, anyway, <laughs> like in- on top of the instead of the star, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> just Genius. have this big clown there. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Matt, what is coming up on our Patreon this week? We've got a lot coming up on the Patreon this week and next week. Uh, we have just released the alternate commentary of an instant classic match. Momo Watanabe challenging Mirai for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. And then also next week, we will be doing our alternate commentary, as Rob made mention to uh, about a minute or so ago. Julia defending the World of Stardom Championship against Tam Nakano for All-Star Grand Queen. Now, I just want to give everybody just a disclaimer. Uh, for everybody on our uh, $5 tier and higher. When you click on this video, that'll show up. This is Tuesday, the video drops, right, Rob? It is indeed, yes. Okay, when you click on this video to open this up on Tuesday, I'm just giving everybody a warning. Rob Goodwin is dressed to the nines. (laughs) You think that this man just came back from a modeling shoot or was going to a modeling shoot. Now, Rob makes mention in the podcast that he just got back from dinner with Kirsty and Kirsty's parents. And then blaze all this dinner stuff out. However, I call malarkey. I think the reason why he's so dressed up for this podcast was to ringing in the new champion, spoilers for a match that happened seven months ago, to ringing in the new champion of one Tam Nakano, and he wanted to look his Sunday's best. And boy, howdy, did he ever, folks. 
boy, howdy, did he ever. But anyway, that'll be coming up next week. We also dropped uh, our roundtable discussion with the one and only Allison Danger. We did our top five favorite female matches of all time. And what is there's so many things I love about Allison and having her on the show. But she's always very, you know, upfront and forthcoming of that she doesn't like to do podcasts. And I think that's because a lot of podcast hosts are trying to get dirt or try to get an agenda. But, like, when it comes to us, she says, like, yes instantly. It's just a matter of uh, finding time with her. But she absolutely loves doing our podcast. And we have an idea to do more co- content with her in 2024. It's something that I'll run by her after the holidays. Obviously, she's a wife. She's a mother. She's super busy with Thanksgiving. So I'll shoot the idea. I know I brought it up to Rob. And Rob's like, absolutely. That's a great idea. So I'm going to run it by Allison. And then hopefully by next week. Um, I can share with a, the listeners of uh, the new content we're going to be doing with Alice in Danger as part of our YouTube series in 2024. So that's what's uh, – and then also uh, next week we will be releasing our other roundtable discussion with Karen Peterson. It's just basically a roundtable discussion on the uh, retrospective of the career thus far of Julia, and at the very end we give our top five matches. And then also – oh, yes, next week we will be recording with one Andy Header. And that'll be an absolute joy. We're going to be doing What If, our What If episode for the month of November will be What If Team Blue and Gold, myself and Andy Heather, were transported into the current roster of stardom. And normally we get on the What If, you get my booking and you get Rob's booking, but you're going to get all three of our bookings. We're going to book myself and Andy Heather in current day stardom, and I cannot wait for the shenanigans that are going to happen there. And then also by the end of the month, I will be doing my review of one of the greatest stardom shows of all time, the 2019 year-end climax. Now, Rob, I know you've seen the show. The show is, uh, you know, it's very popular for a lot of reasons, and a lot of it has to do with the last three matches, Julia versus Hanakamura. Then the co-main event is for the Wonder of Stardom Championship between Arisa Hoshinki and Kunami, which is a very underrated match from Arisa's phenomenal run with the Wonder of Stardom Championship. And then the main event sees Mayu Iwatani making her first defense on the second reign of the World of Stardom Championship against Kagetsu. Now, Rob, I don't think you're going to know the answer, but I'm just going to throw it at you real quick. Okay. Do you know what the Artist of Stardom Championship matches on this show? On the on the Gold Rush show or the sh- oh the no, year, no, no the year end climax twenty nineteen show, um, yes. oh that's a very very good game. It's not it's not Mayu because Mayu's in the main event with Kagetsu. Um, it's not uh, Hazuki because she's in a match with uh, Tora. Um, is it is it is it Queen's Quest? It is, now, and again, I've never seen this match until I did this review. It is the Queen's Quest trio of Momo Watanabe, Yutami Hayashista, and Azumi defending, yeah. defending against the Stars team. Again, I'm going to say this again. The Stars team of Tam Nakano, That's Starlight right. Kid, and Saki Kashima, <laughs> a.k.a. three people who have st- who have stabbed poor Mayu in the back. And I'll tell you what, it's a phenomenal match. I, I knew it would be good, obviously, all six of those wrestlers, as good as they were back then in 2019, are way better now. But I was completely blown away by how great the match was. And I was like, wow, I know I've seen these last three matches on the show, and this was good. And this definitely puts it probably in the top 10 of my favorite stardom uh, shows of all time. Now, the reason why I brought that up about Queen's Quest, Rob, is uh, shall we segue into what we're doing on the Patreon for the month of December? I think that's only fair, Matt. I think that it works well, it's seamless. Go for it. 
Okay. Now, for if you have been part of our Patreon or listened to this podcast for a little bit over a year, first of all, we thank you. And second of all, if you remember, during the Christmas season last year for December, we did a, mer- a Merry Mayu Christmas, where we basically uh, put all the energy and all the love into the Patreon for the month of December to showing love and respect for the one and only Mayu Iwatani. We're doing that again this year, only not with Mayu. We're doing it with Queen's Quest. So we are going to celebrate, be celebrating excuse me, a Queen's Quest Christmas. So all tiers on the Patreon will be geared to a, a Queen's Quest theme. And that literally goes from when EU's, uh, EO started the group in 2016 into current day Queen's Quest in 2023. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through all the tiers. Now, the first tier will be the uh, bi-weekly podcast, the one that you get to vote on. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Oh, what's Matt going to put up on the poll for the vote? Is he going to put Azumi's high-speed run? Is he going to put Momo's white belt run? Is he going to put EO's V14? Is he going to put Sayakamatani's white belt run? Is he going to put Utami's red belt run? I'm putting none of those up. You know why, Rob Goodwin? Because they're already there. Yes, yes, they're already on your feed, folks. And if you have not listened, if you have not been been a part of the Patreon, it's the busiest travel weekend of the year for us in the States. Three bucks will get you those episodes and so much more. However, Rob Goodwin, what will be going up on the Patreon poll, and I'll probably do it as soon as we get off this podcast. I'm going to have to write myself a note, or else I will forget. We're going to be doing a little bit of five-star Grand Prix with the Queen's Quest. So here are going to be your options. And remember, the top two vote-getters is what I will review and what we will be putting up on the Patreon. So your pick will be the 2019 five-star run of Momo Watanabe, the 2020 five-star run of Utami Hayashista, which is the year that she won, the 2021 run, five-star run of Azumi. And I know that you like that run, Rob. You like that run so much that you actually wrote a book on, uh, <laughs> on Azumi and everything else. Uh, and then last year's 2022 five-star run of Saya Kamatani. So those will be up. By the time this podcast drops, those will be up on my Twitter page. And if you do not want to vote via Twitter, you can always send me a message and I will always count those votes. Now, the alternate commentary. There's four weeks in the month of December, so they will be doing four alternate commentaries. So, Rob, would you like to tell the listeners what your two picks are for a Queen's Quest Christmas for the month of December? I can indeed, because I thought that you might ask me and I had forgotten from yesterday. So I've written them (laughs) down. Um, My first one is the Y-Bell match between Saikamatani and Starlight Kid from Midsummer Champions, I believe, 2022. Um, fantastic match. Can't wait to cover that. And then, um, uh, because I didn't want to exploit a loophole, I did clear this with Matt first, but we are going to be looking at the third match of the lauded 2016-17 trilogy. Uh, Mayu Iwatani versus Yoshirai double championship match, Galaxy Stars 2017. Um, we're going to be calling that match as well, and I am extremely excited to be doing so. Absolutely. My two matches, you can't get any more Queen's Quest in this first match. We're going to be doing for the Goddess of Stardom Tag Team Championships from November 14th, 2020, the team of Momo Watanabe and Izumi challenging the champions, Saya Kamatani and Yutami Hayashista. So Queen's Quest versus Queen's Quest, Momo and Izumi, uh, they got this title shot by winning the 2020 Goddess of Stardom uh, uh, Tag Team Tournament. And then also my other match will be the match from the year-end climax 2016, Mayu Iwatani versus Io Shirai. For those who have listened to our um, top five matches with Allison Danger, 
Rob and I have both declared this match as our favorite women's match of all time. Now, once again, if you are part of the Patreon for a year plus, you may be saying, well, wait a minute, Matt. For a Merry Mayu Christmas, didn't you do the alternate commentary of both uh, EO versus Mayu matches that you just described? Yes, I did. However, I'm breaking my rule for one simple reason, is those shows I did solo podcasting. That's when I would call these matches by myself. And I always say after I get done doing these commentaries, these alternate commentaries with Rob, I enjoy the matches more because I'm more in-depth doing the, doing the commentary with my good buddy, one real Rob Goodwin. So, um, yes, so I'm breaking that rule because, yes, last year I did them solo. This year we're going to revisit them as part of a Queen's Quest Christmas, and we're going to be doing them together with Rob, obviously, doing the play-by-play, or doing the color, or I'm sorry, doing the play-by-play, and I will be doing the color commentary. And considering the fact that these are my two favorite women's matches of all time, that somehow I'm going to enjoy them more, watching them and calling them with you, my friend. So super excited for these alternate commentaries. I'm also super excited for, I see how I did my own segue, for our What If episode. So our What If episode will be the uh, fantasy booking of What If Damage Control feuded with Queen's Quest. So Rob and I will be booking Damage Control, which is EO, Kyrie, Bailey, and Asuka versus Queen's Quest. And it'll be the Queen's Quest team of Momo Watanabe, Yutami Hayashista, Sai Kamatani, and Azumi. And considering the fact that I brought this up to Rob about two or three weeks ago, and then I'm sure we'll cover it in the news section, EO made, or not EO, Azumi made mention that uh, she would like to wrestle EO in a, uh, you know, in a starter versus WWE match. And I was like, wait a minute, I brought that up to Rob as a possible what if episode two weeks ago. So I don't know if my phones are tapped or what's going on, but regardless, <laughs> I think that's, uh, uh, that is going to be a great, great time. And I have no idea what I'm doing for this fantasy booking, but it's going to be an absolute who. And then our roundtable discussion we will be joined by the one and only handsome Scott Edwards as we will be having a roundtable discussion of who had the better championship run will be Io Shirai's red belt, the V14, versus Sai Kamatani's wet belt, the V15. So I'm super excited to uh, go back and you know break down those phenomenal, in my opinion, the two greatest championship runs in the 12-year history of stardom. So that's what's coming up on the Patreon for December. We have not figured out what we were doing for our non-stardom um, watch-along. Rob and I will figure that out, and uh, we will make that announcement either on the social medias or next week. Well, it's funny you should mention that, Matt, because I've had an idea. Go for it. And this comes courtesy of a mixture of Alice in Danger, of all people, and uh, Steve... Ooh, I- Yes, I know where you're going with this. I'm all for it. Go ahead, brother. And Steve Gaglomanos. Hello, Steve, by the way. Um, uh, Oh, Steve, I need to say something to you. Thank you for reminding me. Well done, Steve. Um, Basically, we're going to be doing Manami Toyota versus Mima Shimoda um, from All Japan Women's, um, the Japan Grand Prix 1995 uh, from the 23rd of July 1995. Now, this is a match that Alison has called one of her favourites ever. Um, it's a five-star on the Meltzer scale. I think it's rated, according to Steve, who's given me a full rundown on uh, Patreon, it's a 9.3 out, a 9.38 out of 10 on Cage Match, which, you know, it's it's a relatively decent match for, for all intents and purposes. So I thought, what better way to watch a match that I've never seen? I don't know if you have ever seen it, Matt. Um, but what better way to do it than to cover it on our podcast? 
I'm all for that, brother. I was just thinking about that. What should we do? And I was just going through the comments section last night um, just to see who's liking what and the quality product we're putting on the Patreon. And I saw Steve bring that up. I was like, I didn't clear it with Rob, but maybe I'll clear it after the show. So as always, my friend, we were half a world away and you were reading my mind. So I'm all for that. And thank you, Steve, for that suggestion. And as always, thank you to Allison Danger. Absolutely. Um, Steve, I do just want to say and to everyone else, I know that there has been a bit of an issue between uh, my microphone and the audio recordings of my microphone and the video recordings. Had no idea what was going on. Uh, for those who've seen the videos, you'll notice that the volume on my microphone keeps changing for absolutely no reason. Uh, it turns out that the driver for uh, for my microphone was out, out of date and hadn't informed me. Um, so I've updated the driver and fingers crossed it should be okay. I know that um, the conversation with Alison Danger, the audio version, my microphone was very, very quiet, but the video was fine. So what I might do is I might rip the audio from the video and upload that as the audio instead, just so that people can hear my uh, my terrible, terrible takes. Um, so thank you for uh, for bringing that up, Steve. I do just want as well, because I wasn't on the podcast last week um, nursing a headache, which absolutely was not a hangover, but I do just want to shout out our latest patron, Ashley and Knives Page, um, who have subscribed to our IWGPT. A welcome and thank you massively for your support, and thank you to everyone who is a member of the Stardom Cast Extra um, Matt, I think we should just delve headlong into this news because we've been podcasting now for 23 minutes. I think we should probably start. What do you think? Let's do it, brother. Let's do it. So, um, Stardom ran a press conference, and as we know, Stardom press conferences are always very, very, very eventful. And sure enough, a lot of news, both good and bad, um, have come out of this. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the shuffle that we've got in Bushy Road 5. Bushy Road 5, of course, the company that owns Stardom. Their president, um, not the president of Bushy Road, not Katani, um, Bushy Road Fight. The president of Bushy Road Fight was a gentleman called Katsuhiko Harada. Um, basically, off the back of what is called ongoing investigations, um, he will be leaving his role and he will be replaced on December 1st by Taro Akada, um, who currently apparently is Bushi Road's theatre company Hikosan's boss. So uh, a little bit, well, I say a little bit, a big change at the top of the pyramid for stardom. Now, ordinarily, um, we don't know a great deal of what is going on behind the scenes, um, but there has been a considerable amount of talk and some things proven and, you know, all this sort of thing. Um, uh, Wrestling Observer Radio have come out and said that um, it's specifically Harada, the man who is departing, um, that was responsible for increasing the pay-per-views and putting on shows like the Stardom in Showcase shows and the Halloween show that we've just had and bringing the veterans in for the show for more sports entertainment. Now, I know that Stardom currently, um, there is a little bit of discontent with the fan base um, on booking and things like that. A lot of it stemming from injuries, but other areas as well. Um, 
this seems to be pinned above Rossi Ogawa's head, and that's something that we're going to be talking about in a little minute. Um, Sky Wrestling has then said that Bushi Rhodes Takaki Kidani has revealed that to try and scale back on the injuries in stardom, they will no longer be holding major shows in the middle of tournaments. And that was with an inter- in an interview with Tokyo Sports. Um, so the last couple of years, we have had in the middle of the five-star Grand Prix, uh, we've had, for example, Stardom X Stardom. Um, we've also had the Hiroshima pay-per-view as well. Um, so that apparently is going to be knocked on the head. We're not doing that anymore. When the tournaments are starting, the tournaments will be the focus. And Matt, I think that is not only the correct choice, it is the logical and sensible choice. When you have got a roster where you have literally had it ravaged by injury to the point where I believe 13 members of the roster at one point were out injured um, and it seemed to be a new one every week. There's no way that you are able to continue with that. Something has got to give and it appears that from this internal investigation, obviously a lot of what we're talking about is hearsay. Um, apparently Harada has been uh, has been pinpointed as someone who has put forward bad ideas or has been pushing for more pay-per-views and those comedy shows that garnered quite a lot of negative feedback. And I want to talk a little bit about the sort of comedy element when we get to Gold Rush, because there's something quite interesting in an interview that Julia has given today um, in relation to that. Uh, First things first, Matt, Um, if it is indeed the former Bushy Road fight president who has been forcing through more pay-per-views, forcing through this, in inverted commas, more sports entertainment style. I don't think it's any surprise that Bushy Road have seen fit to replace him. Yeah, it seems like they're taking a half a step back right now to take two steps forward, you know, leading into the end of the year and going into 2024. Yeah, it does seem like that, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as long as, you know, Rossi Ogawa is, you know, the head booker in charge and the roster still is as strong as it is, I still think that they're going to do well. But it just seems like that they kind of were looking at one thing and it seems like, you know, there's something that's not clicking here. And again, if that's, I don't, I don't know, you know, we don't know. We're kind of just speculating from what we read online and what from uh, the Wrestling Observer has reported. It just seems like this might be the part that wasn't clicking. And it seems like that, again, as we get in towards the uh, the big show at the end of the year, Dream Queendom, and going into 2024. This might be the right fit. It might be the right fit. Uh, yeah, and, and they did make mention how the last few years that in the midst of the five-star Grand Prix, the biggest tournament uh, for them in their calendar year, they would just put on a random show. Uh, they'd have like the Stardom X Stardom. Don't get me wrong, these Stardom X Stardom pay-per-views were great, but you're taking the focus off the tournament, and you want to put your focus on the entire tournament. So I think that's a good thing. I think with them running less shows, um, you know, we talked about that before with the injuries. I don't know if that running less shows is neither good or bad. I just think maybe rotating some of the roster, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe to having Azumi take two or three days off, having Julia take two or three days off, you know, as we're getting more people back. And now we've seen this new rookie that we saw at New Blood, which we'll get into, and she's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, let's bring the Innova sisters in, you know, from time to time. And then, you know, when you're on summer months, you're going to have more Rena and Hina uh, because, you know, they, they won't be uh, at, uh, you know, doing the school thing. 
So I think, you know, as far as the running less shows, I don't know. But, like, giving, rotating certain members of the roster are out to give them a break when you already have a crazy loaded roster. I think the smart thing to do, and, yeah, the uh, these Halloween shows and Stardom and Showcase, uh, not a big fan, not my cup of tea. Uh, and if you're going to run them, maybe do once a year and put it free on YouTube. There's no reason why anybody should be paying $30 for it, you know, or, or, if, you're, or if you're going to, or if you're going to run it as a pay-per-view, do it like five, six bucks, you know, just do it as five, six. And we mentioned it before when we reviewed that show a few weeks ago, uh, was it worth our money, you know, for the pay-per-view? No, it might be the only time in the two and a half years I've been buying starting pay-per-views that I can honestly say that show wasn't worth our money. However, if me and you were at a pub, and got two or three drinks and then came to the show and two or three drinks there, we would have had a good time because it would have been a lot of fun. But it just seems like it's a completely different, you know, it's almost like bizarro world for stardom to run these shows. And there's no reason for them to run these shows, especially when you can increase more injury on your stars. So it does seem like this is going to be a good thing. But at the same time, I think it's kind of just going to be maybe business as usual for stardom. And as we see some of the stars coming back, I think stardom is going to have an absolute banger of uh, end of the year and then going into 2024. There's a couple of things you've pointed out there. First things first, if I'd had six pints, Matt, at a wrestling show, I'd have a great time because I would be flat <laughs> out asleep. Um, we're we're going to find out. We're going to find out in April, brother. We bloody are. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the Halloween show. I mean, you've just got to look at that um, that tag match, Mina Shirakawa and Wakasukiyama versus Dump Matsumoto. And whoever Dump Matsumoto was teaming with at the time, I, I can't remember her name. Was was Zap, wasn't it? Zap. Of course it was. Of course it was. I wanted to say zones, but no, that's the uh, that's the one that was part of uh, New Blood. Um, and you look at that and just think, this is a pay per view match. Like it, it just wasn't right. And yes, obviously, time will tell whether cutting the schedule is the right way to go. I personally think it is. Um, but cutting the amount of pay per views because you know it it's natural that wrestlers are going to perform at a higher standard on a pay-per-view than they are on a house show. And I think increasing the amount of times when stardom wrestlers are going hell for leather um, yes. at each other. Yes, Priest. Yes, good yes. job, brother. Awesome. Thank you, man. <laughs> um, you know, you are going to get an increase in injuries. It's just the way it is. You can't wrestle that style that intensely that often and not get a lot of injuries. It's just, it's simple. Now, obviously, there are freak injuries like Sayakamatani's, but, you know, the wear and tear injuries, Utami's, Natsupoi's, you know, a lot of that is repetitive injury. And I think if you cut down your pay-per-views to one a month, then you're still going to have stardom fans paying that, and probably more stardom fans paying for that. Because if you look at it currently, quite a few stardom fans were turned off by the Halloween show. I think that's fair to say. I know that a lot of fans were turned off by the Stardom and Showcase shows. And now that we find out that a lot of decisions have been made above Rossi Ogawa's head, after the two years that Rossi has had with Stardom, like that's that's really important here. Between 2020 and 2022, Rossi Ogawa was the head booker. He had the final say and Stardom had its two best years in its history. And then you look at this year where there's been, you know, a little bit of discontent in the wrestlers. There's been inconsistency, certainly since that Yokohama Arena show. 
and suddenly it becomes the you know too many cooks spoil the broth thing where you know you're having so many people from above you trying to fiddle with the with the um with the booking and things and suddenly things aren't cohesive and when the wrestlers are coming out and saying things you know it goes to show just how much discontent is there. And I, I bring this up because Julia today, Wednesday, the 22nd, um, dropped an interview with kakutolog.info. Um, now, I might be butchering that. I apologize. Um, the translations have been provided by a mixture of uh, Shigio, uh, Scotty Wrestling, and Hiramansu Doi as well who've done wonderful work in translating this interview because this interview is incredibly insightful this isn't a tokyo sports piece where it's quite kayfabed and you know they're sort of working in storyline this is julia effectively shooting from the hip and we gain a lot of insight into what has been going on in stardom because when we talked a little a couple of weeks back matt about that show um, that people came out and apologized for. And uh, we saw Mayu post something. We saw Julia post something. It Because we didn't understand the context, it was a bit like, mm, this is a bit odd. Um, and I think I use the phrase, we'll probably never know the ins and outs of what happened. Um, and then you read this interview with Julia, you read some of the quotes that she's got to say. And actually, it, you know, it's probably the straw that broke the camel's back. In, uh, in a lot of ways, because it seems like tension has been growing and growing and growing. Anyway, this is basically some summary of what Julia has had to say. Again, this is all courtesy of Shigio, at SG underscore OXXT on Twitter. Uh, since Stardom became a part of Bushy Road, the management and the wrestlers have gradually developed different opinions. I have communicated my opinion to them as much as possible, but there was no sign of improvement. Gradually, there were signs that even Rossi's wishes were ignored by the management. I didn't understand why they would do such terrible things to Rossi. I dared to complain bitterly about the manner because I had various feelings. At least I don't have a bad impression of the new president. I'm told he loves Pure Rasu, and I have faith that he will understand how we stardom wrestlers feel. Um, and this is backed up by a quote that Scotty Wrestling has put out, and I think this summarises the interview quite well. The thing that Rossi Ogawa has built is being destroyed. Up until last year and the year before, we had a lot of momentum, didn't we? It was extremely frustrating to see that the things we had all built together were falling apart more and more, especially since the beginning of this year. So with that in mind, I spoke out. Julia has dropped a lot there. And what are your sort of thoughts on that, Matt? Uh, first of all, credit for Julia for speaking up on the management. I Absolutely. mean, you think we all have job, we all have jobs, we all have bosses, and how many times are we kind of afraid to shake the tree to give our opinions on what our, you know, big time managers who are making way more money than we are to, you know, shake the tree to disturb something because it might affect our job or it might affect how somebody looks at us. So, you know, kudos to Julia for that. Um, and from what I understand, Rob, just kind of looking at this from you know the American uh, aspect of it. Rossi Ogawa wants, and he's done it before, he wants to do some some uh, tours in the U.S. And you made mention that how Julia made mention, well, they're not yours, they're Julia words, Julia words. You, you folks know what I mean, that there's certain things that Rossi wants to do that are just getting ignored. And from what I understand, 
him doing more tours, whether it be England, Mexico, the States, Canada, is something that he wants to do. And maybe one of those things that are falling over the head where it's like, no, you're, you're, you're not going to do that. And if you look at these wrestlers, these stardom wrestlers that have been wrestling in the States this past year, Julia, been in the States twice, absolutely loves it. Azumi made mention in the press conference, which we'll get to, that uh, she wants to come over in the States. Mayu just had an interview just a day or two ago. She wants to come back to the States. And you look at Unagi. Now, I know Unagi hasn't been a part of the stardom roster in the past year. But she's crushing it over here at the States. So maybe with the new president, they will let Rossi say, hey, you know, ever since all this stuff has been happening, we've seen declining in attendance. The booking is inconsistent. It's all over the place. The uh, the roster is injured. Uh, uh, you know, good majority of the roster uh, is injured. However, we're still putting on fantastic shows if you let me have more of the reins back. And hopefully that's what Julia's saying. Hopefully that's what Julia's saying. It's like, hey, look what Rossi's done. You know, with this company in the last few years, the company is more profitable in the last two years for Bushi Road than New Japan. Mm. And now all of a sudden we see ticket sales are declining, pay-per-views are declining, and maybe it's because of this person that was in charge that got fired. Again, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not. I don't do that. I'm not here to bury anybody. That, that's not what I do. That's not what we do. But again, kudos to Julia for speaking out. And it gives us more of a clear picture of where stardom is going to be headed going into, again, the end of this year and the beginning of next year. So I'm super excited for it. And again, kudos to Julia for speaking up on it because I know, you know, with Mike, I work for a billion-dollar company. I know a lot of times we are afraid to speak up because we're afraid how uh, certain people are going to be looked at, and you shouldn't have to be like that. You know, it's one thing to speak up and do it respectfully like Julia. You know, I'm not saying everybody go into your boss's office and, you know, suplex them through the window. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but no, go in. You know, and she has a lot of great points here. A lot of great points. She's just not shooting from the hip from shooting from the hip. She makes a lot of great points here. And uh, hopefully these uh, opinions will be heard. Hopefully Bushi Road and Bushi Road Fight will take them into strong consideration. And uh, what I'm hoping for is that Rossi Ogawa, who's done a phenomenal job with the stardom brand, ever since day one and again what he's been able to do with this company over the last two or three years has been absolutely phenomenal hopefully they give him more of the reins to run his company that he helped started and uh we see onward and upward for the company that we love so much rob goodwin that is stardom absolutely and again you mentioned about how you know harada is the one that has been sort of pardon me for lack of a better word sacked um we don't know if it's all him partly him other people as well i know that there's still interviews taking place inside bushy road fight so i assume we may never know the full extent but this seems to be the first step in uh, correcting the ship which is incredibly important i actually thought when julia dropped this interview i was like i wonder if bushy road are going to be okay with her dropping this interview um i wonder if she's gonna get in trouble and then i realized that one person who'd retweeted it was uh kidani the president of bushi road so <laughs> oh i did not know that well how about that how about that I, i'll also do something you have to look at too rob is that julia is going to be a, a very interesting free agent you know i think that's something else too if they're not going to be upset with it well you know obviously she's going to be one of the hottest free agents um, you know, in 2024. Obviously, if you listen to certain people, Julia's already at the Performance Center. Uh, Carrie, uh, I guess I guess Karen Peterson, who lives in Orlando, thought she saw her getting uh, gelato the other day. I, I kid, I kid. But uh, I did not know that that uh, Kadani retweeted this. So I think he was probably all for it. And 
if that's the way they're going to go with this, what a better person than uh, one of your faces in the company, one Julia, to kind of be like, hey, this is what I didn't like. This is what I hope happens. And, uh, you know, we know that Julian Rossi has a very, very close relationship. And I think that's very important uh, with, a, you know, when you have a booker like Rossi and, you know, someone that's, again, started the company and one of your top stars in Julia when you have that close relationship, very much like a coach with their fate, with their with one of their best players or very much like an employment. You know, that if you have a great relationship with your boss, you trust them, they trust you, you know, to uh, make sure that at the end of the day, you want your company to be better. Whether it's the company I work for, whether it's your company, whether it's Rob's favorite football team that I know he says is dreadful all the time, or whether it's your favorite professional wrestling company. At the end of the day, you just want them to be better. And I really think that that's what's going to happen, especially with Julie and Rossi, you know, uh, working so closely together. Yeah, and I think it's important as well that Julia came out of this interview not just seeming like embittered, you know, it could have come across like, oh, I lost the World of Stardom Championship, I'm just bitter against the company. Thankfully, that's not how it's come across because Julia has put forward eight or nine valid and really well thought out points it's a really really insightful interview and there's a bit that i want to talk about we're going to return to this interview when we talk about gold rush because there's a little bit about that gold rush match which really does tie up in a bow the i think the growing distance between the roster and the members of bushy road that were potentially booking and pushing ideas above Rossi's head. Um, And we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, The press conference, once that was announced, was also incredibly busy. So we seem to have been in a bit of limbo as stardom fans, obviously with so many members of the roster injured, including our red belt champion, Tam Nakano, including one half of our tag champs in Natsupoi. Um, We were sort of waiting and it seemed that stardom was treading water until we could sort of have the answers. Um, We do have answers. And I think that was what was most important especially heading into Dream Queendom at Sumo Hall at the end of the year, Stardom fans needed a sense of direction. Um, And that is what Stardom gave us. Unfortunately, it's not the best news, um, with Tam Nakano being forced to vacate the World of Stardom Championship. Um, Unfortunately, she according to Stardom, has not recovered from the knee injury she sustained in the defence against Natsukatora. So the World of Stardom Championship has been vacated. The same is um, true of the Goddess of Stardom Championships with Natsupoi being unable to compete at the moment. So her and Sayori Ano have had to vacate those belts as well. Um, interesting little stat from uh, from Peps Wrestling on Twitter that this is the first time the World of Stardom Championship has been vacated um, since uh, Yoshiko was stripped of it after the uh, the Grizzly match back in 2015. Um, really devastating news for Tam, who, of course, is one of the, I don't want to say the older members of the roster, that makes her sound ancient, and she's not, but she is one of the more veteran members of the roster. She finally reaches the summit of stardom and loses the title in the worst possible way um after being subject and we talked we talk a little bit about this about on the uh, on the patreon um after having a, a fairly 
what's the best word? If Elliot Naki was rain, really, a double championship match with Mina that should never have happened, um, losing clean to Marai, um, to lose the white belt, then it it just seemed a bit just seemed a bit weird. And uh, Tam deserved better than that. And again, everything we say in that is negative, and I want to make this point very, very, very clear. Anything negative we say is not aimed at the wrestlers and it is not aimed at the in-ring product because when those women are given the time, they rock consistently without fail. And again, I'm going to bring that main event up of Gold Rush and you'll see why in a moment. So none of that is Tam's fault. None of that is put at Tam's door. Tam did everything she could with what she was given. Ultimately, though, we now have some clarity about those two championships. In terms of the World of Stardom Championship, it is vacant, and a one-night tournament, a one-night four-woman tournament, will be used to crown the challenger to Suzu Suzuki on the 28th of November at Corican Hall. So those four people are Micah, Mina Shirakawa, Momo Watanabe and Ami Sori. Now, those four, that tournament will take place at Corican, the 28th of the 11th. And then, on top of that, Suzu Suzuki will face the winner at Dream Queendom to be given the red belt. You're that, missing one very important uh, thing. Wait, oh, don't you oh, worry. Oh, no, I I'm did not. It again. Offsides, Matt Turner, five yards. <laughs> get yourself back in your box, Turner. <laughs> Hold on, I'm stretching out here. I'm throwing some punches. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that is, of course, if Suzu Suzuki can weather the challenge of Hazuki because it was announced that Hazuki would be challenging Suzu for her title shot. Um, initially, that was also set for the Corican. That has been moved to uh, the Nagoya Big Winter pay-per-view, which is scheduled for the 2nd of December. So that has been moved back. Um, uh, let's start with this World of Stardom Championship before we talk then about everything else that went on during this show, because good grief, there was so much that went on. But first of all, Matt, some clarity Unfortunately, in in the worst possible way for Tam and Natsuboy. Yeah, um, this press conference, brother, before I tackle the issue, you just asked me. This press conference was so busy, we did not get any normal shenanigans. No Mayu tripping over their feet. Nobody (laughs) spitting ink into the other person's face. No cake getting thrown at anybody. No shoot headbutts. That's how (laughs) crazy, that's how busy this press conference was. (laughs) I would kind of got, you know, I watched everything and I was like, okay, I get it. A lot of. A lot of stuff happened here, and I liked how they did the negative stuff in the beginning and the positive stuff at the end, which we'll get to. It's kind of like, let's whip the Band-Aid off, let's start low, and then bring it to the you know really great thing with Sai and Yutami coming back, which, which, which we'll get to. But uh, yeah, press conference so busy that uh, we didn't see any food getting thrown at each other or anything. But yes, as much as it breaks my heart to see Tam uh, have to relinquish the World of Stardom Championship, and as well as Sarah Anu and Natsupoy relinquish the Goddess of Stardom Championship because of Natsupoy's injury, it's the right decision. You know, it's one thing if you're going to be out three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, but you can't, especially as we're getting towards the big show mm-hmm. at the end of the year, you need to have a clear picture, not only for your wrestlers, not only for the booking committee, but for the fans as well that are be paying their, you know, their hard-earned money either on pay-per-views 
or tickets for this show at the end of the year. So you kind of have a clear picture, need time to build. And, you know, as of this, you know, as of this uh, announcement, you're having about five, six weeks to build towards Dream Queendom. So it was it was unfortunately the right thing to do. Again, we've been at a standstill now for about two months on both these championships. And it's um, super excited, you know, getting this Cork and Hall show. It's just absolutely loaded because you have those tournament matches with Mina versus Momo and then Micah versus Ami Sori. And then the winners of those matches will face each other. And what I'm assuming is going to be the main event of that show. Then also you have the return of Aphrodite teaming with Zumi, you know, obviously the, uh, the big three of Queen's Quest on that show. So that Corkin show is absolutely loaded. And then you fast forward to just, I mean, that Corkin Hall show is happening on a Tuesday. And then you fast forward to that Saturday. We have an absolutely loaded pay-per-view. You know, obviously, we'll get into with Julie and Azumi. Uh, you have the Suzu Suzuki versus Suzuki match. So the way that this main event, I mean, first, first of all, they've done a great job because the main event of Dream Queendom, and they've done a great job on uh, Twitter building this up, is doesn't matter which, which pairing happens, you're going to see history. You're going to see a new champion. Suzu, Hazuki, Momo, Mina, Ami, and Micah. They have never held the World of Stardom Championship. So not only are you guaranteed to see a new champion, one of these fantastic performers of these six is going to walk out of 2023 and into 2024 as the new World of Stardom Champion and is basically going to uh, usher in a new regime for Stardom. So I'm super excited to see what happens. Obviously, I have my picks. You have, I think me and you are kind of almost in the same boat. I have a lot of people, you know, they have their picks as well, but it's going to be super excited to see what happens. And plus, we just have an excuse for Suzu Suzuki and Hazuki next Saturday to just beat the crap out of each other. So, again, it was kind of like we got to rip the bandaid off. I think, again, it was a great job on Stardom, the way they did these announcements. We got the bad stuff right out of the way, stripping of the championships, but then they built towards all the good things that are happening. So now we know we're in the positive climb and start him going to uh, Dream Queendom and Sumo Hall on the 29th of December, Rob. Absolutely. Um, I agree with you. I think, yes, having to admit that two of your champions have got vacate championships, it's not ideal. Uh, far from it. But Stardom fans needed that clarity. And to start building the excitement for Dream Queendom, which we're just six weeks shy of at this point, you need to have a direction. And credit to Stardom, they announced it. Um, and it's really important as well that you look at that one-night tournament and there aren't any of your big hitters. And I, I do use invert in, in air quotes for that. Mike Amina Shirakawa, Momo and Ami Sori. So, you know, we are, with the exception of Amina, sort of focusing on a newer generation a younger generation um obviously utami and saya just coming back mayu i don't think mayu is on this card i imagine they'll probably rest her until a finger is completely sorted um i'm just looking at the full card now yeah mayu's not on the card so they're probably just nursing that finger injury so um you know i think I, well, this... to, I know you look at the card. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That was rude to me. Are you the card you're looking at? Is that the Corican or the pay per view on the second that Mayu's not not announced for? Corican. Okay, I just I just want to just just you know confirm. Okay, sorry. No, this is this is all the Corican. You're absolutely right. The contender finals, the World of Storm contender finals, currently is listed as the main event. I can't see why that wouldn't be the main event. 
Um, but yes, obviously we know Suzu, Suzuki and Hazuki will then face off for the other spot in uh, in Dream Queendom on, uh, on the 2nd of December, which I'll be perfectly honest, much as that photo of Hazuki with the red belt in front of her <laughs> had me like, oh my God, it, it could happen. Stop teasing me, Rossi. Um, you know, they're not going to have Suzu win the five star, then be stuck in limbo promised a match, then have the match taken away and then the belt be vacated to then not even make Dream Queendom. It's it's just not going to happen. Um, we'll talk a little bit about our predictions when we get to um, our, our previews at the end of the card, but that is the current picture of the red belt seen in terms of the Goddess of Stardom championships as i mentioned they've been vacated um the winners of the tag league divine kingdom micah and megan bain will fight a team that is yet to be named for the vacant tag belts at nagoya big winter on uh, on the 2nd of december now there is a lot a lot of people who have mentioned Aphrodite being that um, that mystery team to battle Divine Kingdom, and whilst I would be absolutely up for that, and you know Saya Kamatani has also come out and said my next aim is to win the Goddess of Stardom Championships with Utami, which sort of sets me in the mind that yeah, this is going to happen. Let's just hold our horses and let's see what they're cooking. Um, because I imagine after Corican we will have, again, a more concrete picture for that. So we will have new Goddess of Stardom champions by Nagoya Big Winter. Um, speaking of that show, um, Azumi has challenged Julia for the new Japan Strong Women's Championship. We also have Tekla challenging May Seira for the high speed championship which i'm very very excited about um especially with the improvement in tecla this year and the speed at which she wrestles i know she's already had one shot at the high speed belt but i'm very excited to see what she does with may sarah who at the moment is one of the best in ring that stardom have um and we've also got in a return to that shoot wrestling style which nanai apparently is um, or has done in the past it will be nanai takahashi versus the scandinavian hurricane alice inc in a uwf rules match so you're absolutely right matt we had bad news um which it was needed you know we needed to know but we also had great news utami and saya kamatani are back you couple that with the fact that starlight kid is now back uh, mayu Utani is on the road to recovery i reckon that she will probably be back by um nagoya big winter because after all it was only a dislocated little finger it wasn't anything hugely um hugely bad um and then we are waiting on the likes of obviously nats in town which are more serious but then kaguma um uh, wakasuki armor hanan has recovered from um the was it glandular fever she had or no, appendicitis so she's recovered from that which is great um yeah it's slowly coming together um in terms of the injuries obviously i want to talk a little bit about azumi in a moment is there anything else you want to talk about there matt no i just want to um say that you know a lot of people think it's going to be aphrodite 
obviously there's gonna be nobody more thrilled than me to see them uh, go there and obviously we can get into that later in the show but no one has made mention of the human cadillac dorian deville possibly uh going in that tournament. i just want to throw that out there rob i wouldn't be the uh absolute fantastic uh podcast person if i was if i didn't bring up the human cadillac himself so don't be shocked folks if you see the human Cadillac just body oh slamming God. Mike and Megan Ben all over Cork and Hall. <laughs> Genuinely, if that bloke Harada was still in charge, it sounds like he would have been completely game for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's probably a good job that we're mentioning it now. <laughs> um, Azumi caused a little bit of a stir during the press conference um, where she mentioned the well she mentioned eo basically she mentioned eo sky or eo shirai as we know her um and talked about wanting to go to america and to sort of you know with the strong open weight women's championship as a gift now loads of people have made a big deal of this about how we're going to have a wwe and stardom crossover and it's going to be amazing and you know oh can you imagine azumi and eo shirai in a ring and whilst that would be good We've already had people talk about Io Shirai. We've had Mayu recently talk about how she'd love to wrestle Io again. Um, the chances are that Azumi simply means to go and see Io Shirai, just like Utami did when she went to the Performance Center and spent time with B Priestley and with um, Sumi Sakai. The chances are that Shayna Baszler, exactly. I mean, she came back with a new finisher, for God's sake. Um, the chances of Azumi meaning an actual championship match between her and the SmackDown women's champion. Just, I hate to burst people's bubbles. I really do. Because if that was a possibility and that was going to happen, I would be all over that. Can you imagine Prime Azumi versus EO Sky? Oh my God. Unfortunately. Rob, I, don't mean to cu- I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off. It is happening. It is happening as part of our Patreon for what if. So I just want to, uh, if you want to know what that, if you're like, I wonder what that would look like. And what would that look like in the demented minds of Rob Goodwin and Matt Turner? Folks, we're going to give it to you in the best month of the year. Merry Christmas. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. This is the same mind that bought you Heel Kyrie as the leader of Oedetai, um on the, la- on the last what if. So uh, yeah, just bear that in mind. Um yeah, unfortunately, I think it's more a case of a little bit of a mistranslation and a little bit of people getting very, very excited over the way Azumi's worded it. The chances are, again, it's just, you know, bringing her the championship just to show how far she's come. After all, you know, EO bought Azumi into uh, into Queen's Quest. So um, I hate to be the person to puncture that bubble. I apologize. Um we move on then a little bit and a little bit of good news. Um, PWI released their tag team 100 and um, the highest rated Joshi team on this year's list, which I'm sure will make Matt very, very happy. Ranking at 10th overall is seven up. Um, uh, and they are the highest women's wrestling tag team, sorry, the second highest women's wrestling tag team on the list and the highest rated Joshi. Um, FTR came top with um, Aussie Open finishing in second place. Matt, are you surprised by 7-Up's inclusions? Um, Do you think you will sell that she's happy about this inclusion? Like, what are your thoughts? Oh, real quick, uh, 
was Team Blue and Gold or me and you on this top 100 tag teams? It's weird you should mention that because I actually <laughs> had an email to say that me and you were 101, which, oh, uh, so frustrating. Well, Rob, you know it's very rare that I curse on this show and I'm about to. That's just bullshit, buddy. That's what it comes down to. You know? I'm so, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm fired up. 101. Unbelievable. Um, no, not really, just because of the tag teams in stardom. And I, we mention this all the time. If they were to keep them as a tag team for a long period of time, they would obviously be higher on this list. And we can look at them as like, Oh, they're one of the best tag teams in the world. We mentioned with Mel Tier, with Tam and not support. They have phenomenal run as the goddess of stardom champions had fantastic matches. Obviously they wanted to put the red belt on Tam. Hazuki and Kagama, what a great championship run between them winning the uh, goddess tournament in 2021 and then defeating uh, Julia and Sherry in 2022. And then they had a great run with the tag belts. Uh, but then, they, you know, Hazuki had that great monster run in 2022 and the five-star Grand Prix, where it's maybe they see them as bigger as um, uh, single stars. And the same thing with Aphrodite. I mean, what they've been able to do uh, in the last two Goddesses Stardom tag tournaments, meaning 21 and 22, obviously, they're both injured uh, this this past month and couldn't compete. But obviously, they are arguably Utami's one of, if not the greatest red belt champion, Asai Kamatani, in my opinion, is the greatest white belt champion. So it, it doesn't, when I'm, I'm making a long answer here, it doesn't surprise me that 7-Up is the highest Joshi team there, just because they kind of had the longest run in the biggest Joshi uh, company. And again, they lost to Mariah and Ami Sori. Ultimately, Ami Sori uh, would go on to win the uh, the future belt, and Mirai would win the their wonder belt. So Stardom doesn't keep these teams together too too long. Hopefully, we do see maybe in the future if there's no main event plans, uh, maybe until the summer of next year, we do see a long Aphrodite tag run. So that's what my fingers crossed is for. But um, you mentioned that they were the second highest rated women's tag team. I'm just curious, what was the highest? rated women's tag team on that list i knew you'd ask me matt and i didn't check oh well i apologize sir that's just uh <laughs> i'm trying to think of like what wwe teams or what impact teams i know isn't like masa slamovich and um somebody else or they have like a really awesome team in impact maybe that's what it is or Kelly is it, there's Kelly. No, the, yeah maybe that's what it is i know there's, there's no really tag teams in AEW, and like i said the wwe teams those poor belts whoever has them there's always some sort of injury so that would be my guess would be uh, Masa, Masha and uh, Killer Kelly. That would, you know, again, but FTR, I know FTR was number one. Ozzy Open was number two, and I think Bishimon was three or four. I have no complaints about that. Again, I apologize, folks, for swearing on the podcast. The fact that we didn't make this list, bullshit. <laughs> um, just looking at the list now, um, it's FTR, Ozzy Open, <coughs> second, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in third, Bishamon in fourth, Motor City Machine Guns in fifth, ABC, the team of Chris Bay and Ace Austin at six, uh, the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens are at seven, the Judgment Day team of Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest are at eight, number nine was Damage Control, so Dakota Kai, Sky and Bailey. Um, ah, how about that? which is cheating somewhat putting three together, but I'm not going to complain um, because they are one of the more entertaining things on WWE television. Um, looking ahead then to stardom, one thing that they brought up in their meeting or their uh, strategy um, was that they wanted to do more shows around Asia. And in doing so, they are going to Singapore um, this weekend as part of the 2023 Bushi Road Expo 
Asia. Um, and they're bringing what looks like considerably more talent this time. So this is going on for three days, the 24th, 25th and 26th of November. Um, day one, the 24th, we'll see a triple threat. Hazuki versus Tekla versus Azumi. Uh, Meiseira versus Lady C. And then Momo Watanabe versus Mina Shirakawa. Um, so it is those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ladies that are going over. Um, the next day, the 25th, you have got Azumi versus Mina Shirakawa. Lady C versus Tekla. Meiseira versus Momo Watanabe versus Hazuki. And then on that final day, the 26th of November, you've got Meiseira versus Momo Watanabe versus Azumi, Hazuki versus Tekla, and then Mina Shirakawa versus Lady C. Um, so, yeah, some decent talent going over, man. We've got some interesting matchups. I'm really intrigued by that Hazuki versus Tekla versus Azumi three-way on night one, Azumi versus Mina Shirakawa on day two, and then Hazuki versus Tekla on day three some interesting matchups there yeah it looks like we're getting mina versus momo twice within a week's time because uh isn't it mina and momo in the tournament at corkin on tuesday correct i believe so yeah oh i'll just i'll take it i'll take it twice a week that's fine with me i mean those two are fantastic uh two of the hardest hitters in stardom and two of my favorite wrestlers not just in stardom but in all of wrestling and i think people in asia are going to be absolutely blown away when they see somebody of the talents, the special talents that is Azumi, uh, Hazuki, the whole everybody that's going there, but just what Hazuki and Azumi brings to the table, I think you agree with me, Rob, and most of our listeners will that uh, they are just completely different than just about anything that you see in wrestling. They're just super special talents, and kudos to Stardom not only bringing all those wrestlers and those great matchups, they're bringing the big guns, buddy. I mean, the great Car C. You're going to see Baba Chops, <laughs> you're gonna see Baba Lines. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, no, that's awesome to uh, get these wrestlers in front of a wider audience. And I don't think there's anybody that's going to be going to these shows that are going to be disappointed by any of these matches. You know, Lady C, Momo, Mina, Zumi, May, Ta, Tekla, all phenomenal, phenomenal talent that I'm sure that those fine people in Asia will be blown away, just like how we are every show that we get to see these, we get to see them wrestle. But uh, yeah, super excited to see them expanding into a different market. Again, uh, we just hope they will expand over to the US and England as well. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, we know that Stardom has new leadership, so allow us to introduce ourselves, Mr. Okada. Um, my name is Rob Goodwin, and obviously I'm joined by Matt Turner. We do a podcast called The Stardom Cast. If there are any jobs available, please, please point them our way. Um, we are very cheap labor and uh, very keen to get started. So uh, there you, you go. Definitely you're definitely the Andy Hatter of this team because whenever he needs like, hey, we want to book you for a team, he will literally book us for next to nothing. Stop it with a chief labor, brother. <laughs> Look, if you if you guys, anybody wants to hire us, hit me up first, please. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Absolutely hit Matt up. Um, uh, <laughs> I might sound confident. I'm not. Um, right. <laughs> Let's look at some shows then. Um, so interestingly enough, we're actually going to start, despite Matt having reviewed the Tag League Finals last week, we are going to look at the penultimate night, which uh, went up on Stardom World this week. Um, this is from the 11th of November, night nine of the Goddess of Stardom Tag League the night before the final. This was from the Light Cube Utsunomaya in Toshigi, Japan, in front of 400 
and five fans. And the results are as follows. In the four-way match opener, Rina defeated Hina, Mina Shirakawa and Yuna Mizumori, pinning her sister Hina in seven minutes and 23 seconds with a jackknife pin. Um, we had six-woman tag team action next with the Oeda tag team, Natsuka Tora, Ruaka and Momo Watanabe, defeating the Queen's Quest team of Lady C, Azumi and Miyu Amasaki. Momo Watanabe, pinning Lady C in 8 minutes and 46 seconds with a top rope Samato. Um, we had a tag team match next. Mafia Bella, Julia and Tecla defeating the God's Eye team of Amisori and Suri with Julia pinning Amisori in 9 minutes and 13 seconds, reversing a blue thunder bomb. We then had, in what I can honestly say is the match of this show, um, a three-way match um, that goes to a time limit draw. Hazuki versus Meiseira versus Suzu Suzuki. Go out of your way to check that one out. That is quite literally the definition of a hidden gem. Um, and then we had two Goddess of Stardom Tag League matches. Prominent, the team of Aragi Karu and Risa Seira moving to seven points, defeating Maximum Mini, Hanako and Sayurida, who remain on two points. Um, in nine minutes and 53 seconds, uh, Karumi getting the pinfall over Hanako with the diving body press. And then, rather interestingly, um, in our main event, the Divine Kingdom team of Micah and Megan Bain moved to eight points, defeating Mei Sakurai and Mirai, who stay on six points. But the thing I found quite interesting was that Megan Bain pinned Mirai with the F5 in 10 minutes and 12 seconds. Um, overall, Matt, obviously, already this show is a little bit out of date because obviously we've talked about how Divine Kingdom was successful in winning the 2023 Goddess of Storm Tag League. But this was still a really solid show. That three-way in the middle of the card is fantastic. And some interesting things going on in the Goddess of Storm Tag League as well. Yeah, I've been singing just to you know touch upon the uh, the opener real quick. I've been singing the praises of Hina quite a bit over the last three or four months. Again, she's somebody that she's still in school. She can't make the rounds uh, as often as she would like. She's been improving so much. By no means was this like you know a five star you know classic, but it was really cool how the match started with the two sisters, both judo throwing Yuna and Mina. I thought that was really cool, and it looked like they were going to work together. But obviously, Rina being the big heel, she winds up turning on her sister. But what I'm trying to get to is, I don't know if I've ever seen Hina do this before, and if she has, Rob, please correct me. But she does the judo throw coming out of a ripcord. What I mean by that is, think of uh, Okada's Rainmaker. So as as he does the spin, instead of throwing the clothesline, she steps in and does the judo throw, which just makes it look so much cooler. So it's like you throw the person out, and then you use the momentum to throw them back in. I was like, damn, that's super impressive. And I've never seen – maybe she has. I just don't remember seeing it, but I literally just noted that. And I was like, yeah, I've been singing Hina's praises over the last five or six months of how much she's been improving. And then once she gets the silly thing of school out of the way, I think she's going to uh, work her way up the card and start. And folks, I'm just kidding. Stay in school. But yeah, this was a solid, solid show, but obviously the go-to. If you, and I know this one kind of slipped under the radar just because it came dropped in the, towards the end of uh, the five, or not the five, sorry, of the Goddess of Stardom tournament. And I know it's been a busy week for the fantastic folks over at Stardom World that uh, run the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Twitter page and the, uh, 
putting the shows up between the, the tag league final, all these shows leading up to it. And then of course, new blood. So uh, kudos to them for getting the show up. But again, even though it was a little bit outdated and we kind of knew where everything was going, still was a sol- solid show. And if you have not got a chance to watch this show. Definitely go out of your way to see that three way, as Rob mentioned between Suzu Suzuki versus Suzuki versus May Sarah. Cause like right from the get go, I think Suzuki realizes this could be a, you know, two on one tag match with Suzu and May being a part of a crazy star. And Hazuki just takes it right to them. Like, she does the booth scrape face wash combination, like, a minute into this match. And then it turns into almost like a mini high-speed match with uh, with with Hazuki and then May. And then Suzu comes in with her violence, which means, of course, Hazuki has to bring her violence. Uh, May Sarah is fantastic here. Hazuki's fantastic here. Suzu's great here. It really seems like they upped their game in this non-pay-per-view match. So it's very rare, Rob, for me to have a match that breaks the four stars in a quote-unquote house show, but this one does. I gave it four and a quarter stars. I thought this was absolutely fantastic, literally to the point, I think, where the three shows we're going to review, just at the top of my head, I think my favorite th- my favorite match on each show led to the old TLD, my friend. And, th- and again, if it's done right, I'm okay with that, and this was absolutely done right. This was a great match. All three women really, really showed out here, and uh, kudos to th- the whole roster, but especially May, Suzu, and Hazuki for putting on an absolute banger. There's just one spot that, uh, as they're getting towards the end of this marathon of a match, just like a sprint, especially the last half of the match, where they're trading near falls back and forth and doing the contrived three-way pin spots, which Azumi always does so well, Starlight Kid and Natsupo, I have no idea how they're able to do that without running into the ropes. It's, to me, it's just like, wow, these ladies are so talented. But Hazuki does a double Hazuki straw onto both May and Suzu. And I was like, how was she able to do that and do it so flawlessly? I mean, it just goes to show just how great Hazuki was. But yeah, folks, if you have not done so, please go out of your way to see this match. This is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely match of the show. And certainly, again, we did a list, I believe, at the start of 2022 of the hidden gems of 2021. Maybe this would make, I think it certainly would make that list if we were to do it again at the start of this year. Were you surprised that Megan Bain got the pinfall over Mirai, of all people? Absolutely. I'm trying to figure out where this is leading to. I really think uh, uh, last minute they're going to put on that December 2nd pay-per-view, they're going to put a uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship match just to kind of pad Mirai's reign. And she's been having great matches. And then I think that's when Mina, I think that's going to happen. I think then Mina's going to come out and challenge Mirai for the Queendom show. And I thought, well, maybe it'd be Megan Bain. But Megan Bain is in a tag title match, um, you know, with her and Micah. So I don't know where they're going, not unless they're going to go Megan Bain and Mirai at the end of the year uh or maybe this is just something they just kind of want to see where it goes um not all the time do they do these things when they plant seeds does it go somewhere more times than not it does i mean we saw with Sorianu defeating Mirai for the one are in the uh, five-star grand prix and then they teased they would have a wonder stardom championship match obviously that match happened but they really didn't do anything here with it it was just like megan bang got the pinfall on Mirai. They cut the promo afterwards and they kind of walked out. So it's just like maybe they're just trying to pump uh, Megan Bain up a little bit more. Maybe because she was the one that got the fall the next night to uh, close out the uh, the Goddess of Stardom tournament. Maybe that's what it was. If it's like we're going to put all the steam on Megan Bain, let's have her defeat our uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship um, in the, the, the penultimate night. Maybe that's what it was. I mean, we shall see where this goes. But, yeah, I was very, very surprised. And uh, sometimes you have to shake things up there, Rob Goodwin. Yeah, I'm just looking at the um, Stardom's calendar for for December, and obviously the one that draws the eye 
is you've got the year-end climax show, which is still at Corrigan Hall on the 24th, so Christmas Eve, could potentially do something there. Obviously, you've got the year-end tour, but I can't see it main eventing any of those, um, unless maybe, pardon me, maybe the Osaka number two, maybe, but I think if they're going to do it before... um, before the Dream Queendom show, it would make sense to do it at year-end climax, which seems to be the last big show before Queendom. Um, I've just realised they're running New Blood 12 on Christmas Day. Um, I'm going to tell you now, guys, I'm not going to be watching that on Christmas Day. <laughs> I am going to be far too drunk to be watching that. <laughs> <laughs> no case saving this night, brother. Let me tell you, we always say we're transparent, guys. We tell you what's going on, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting thought because Megan Bain, obviously she's been dominant um, aside from that one loss to Tam for the red belt. So it would make sense to have a go for the white belt. I think Marai would come out of that um, the victor and would then go on to face probably Mina, but in my mind, Hazuki, um, for the white belt at Ryogoku. Um, either way, I'm happy with either of those matches. I think um, Mirai versus Megan Bain will be a good match. Um, you know, Megan Bain surpassed, you know, I don't want to sound condescending by any stretch of the imagination, but she surpassed all of my expectations in that match with Tam. Um, because it was a case of if you're building someone, you know, she said that she wanted to be like the Brock Lesnar or the Undertaker of um, of Stardom, and it's very much a case of how do you make that work in Stardom, and I think she's done a pretty good job of that. She's become a little bit more human through a relationship with uh, first Maysayer and then obviously with Micah, so there is a little bit of a, a human side to her, so I quite like that. Whether this happens, whether it's a complete red herring, who knows, because, of course, Mariah's still got matches that she lost in the five-star, um, which leads to potential um, fights for that white belt. So it could just be a case of keep Megan Bain strong, considering they're going to win the Tag League the following night. Who knows? I might be thinking too much about it. Um, is there anything else on this show, Matt, that you want to talk about before we move on to New Blood West 1? Uh, no, but real quick, I just want to say how you uh, mentioned Judas Priest on Hellbent for Leather, and then you basically just said that uh, Megan Bain was more human than human. So great job on the Rob Zombie reference, whether you realize you did it or not, buddy. As always, you're on fire, my friend. Honestly, just keep dropping them in. I keep dropping them in <laughs> just to see if you're picking them up. Um, <laughs> um, let's move on then to the Sodden New Blood West 1 show that it was announced the, at the very start, almost, I think it was only a couple of hours before the show aired, that it would be aired for free on YouTube um on the 17th of november so we do appreciate that um i think these shows are perfect for streaming free on youtube this one was from the azalea taisho hall in osaka japan uh, it took place in front of 278 people if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes insomnia brain fog moodiness or weight gain you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging the experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Now, on this card, we had singles match Momo Motanabe defeating the newest stardom rookie, 
uh, Yuzuki with a buzzsaw kick in 10 minutes and 8 seconds. Saya Ida picking up a damn singles victory. What? Uh, against May Sakurai. I, I must admit, when I saw this match on the card, I was like, May Sakurai's going to beat her with that damn elbow. But no common sense prevails. Saya Ida winning with the Ida Rock in 8 minutes and 39 seconds. Properly dropping May on the crown of her head as well. It was horrible. Um, we then had a singles match Suzu Suzuki defeating Yuna Mizumori with the tequila shot in 7 minutes and 40 seconds Amisori defeating the freelancer zones in 7 minutes and 56 seconds with the blue thunder bomb we've talked about it already but Hanan versus Maysera in a blistering time limit draw um, that went the full 15 minutes. Definitely go and check that match out. It really is fantastic. And if you were in any doubt at all that Hannon is the future ace of this company, just go and watch this. Brilliant stuff. Um, we then had a singles match. Momoka Hanazano, who would, of course, will be challenging for the high-speed championship the following day. She defeated Lady C in 9 minutes and 46 seconds with a choke slam reversal in our semi-main. Miyu Amasaki defeated Chi-Chi in 5 minutes and 43 seconds. It was quite a violent match, really, with the Tensai. And then in your main event, Rina, the future of stardom champion, defeated Hanako in 12 minutes and 12 seconds with the Hydrangea. Um, Matt, this show, I thought, was a really, really solid show with three really good... Big talking points. And by big talking points, I mean a fantastic match, a really good title defense from Rina, and then the debut of Yuzuki. What would you like to talk about first? I just real quick, I just kind of want to get your opinion. Obviously, this was free on YouTube, and you're trying to get a lot of the new market to uh, you know watch Stardom, whether they watch it live or it's like, oh, you know, I've heard so and so talk about this Stardom. This show is free on YouTube. Let me see what this is about. I think that's a good idea to try to get more people to not only subscribe to your YouTube channel, which obviously gets you more advertising money, but maybe more people that will check out your pay-per-views, so on and so forth. So uh, what I'm trying to throw the question I'm asking at you, Rob, is if they're going to be doing these shows free on YouTube, which they should, I think that you should really start with your with a really, really hot match. Now the opener was Momo versus the rookie, uh Yuzuki uh Yuzuki. Is that how you say it? Yuzuku? Yuzuki. Yuzuki, Yuzuki, I apologize. I would have started the show out with uh, Hanan versus Maysair because, again, you're, you're trying to get a lot of new people. And if that's the first match people see, I think you're going to set the hook to bring them in. That's just kind of – I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. I completely understand where you're coming from with it. Um, I didn't necessarily have an issue with it. Um, a, because Momo Watanabe is in the match, established star, you know that she can put on great matches with anyone. But you've also got the intrigue around this rookie who, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like they've properly rushed through because she's that good. Um, so there's a little bit of intrigue regarding that. It was announced quite late on that she would be debuting at this show. So I think that's, as I mentioned, intrigue about what she's like. They didn't even know her name at this point. You know, how she's going to fare against the likes of Amoma Watanabe, who held absolutely nothing back in this match. She went hell, again, hell for leather at yeah. Yuzuki. <laughs> properly laid in some of those kicks. And I thought Yuzuki was tremendous, considering this is her first match in a stardom ring. And the way she was able to build babyface sympathy quite organically as well. And I want to talk a little bit more about that later on, but 
I do understand your your thought process, and I think had there not been this match, I think yeah, put it on first, build that hype. Um, but otherwise, I thought this was okay for for the reasons I've outlined. I think Momo Watanabe put the rookie through the painkiller as well. Ah, nice, good album, <laughs> good pain, album. The painkiller, yes. Yeah. Um, no, it it did it did leave Yuzuki screaming for vengeance. Oh my! Momo hit her so hard, you thought that uh, she was um. Hell, no, you already said hell back on leather. Damn it! Um, she's her turbo lover. Anywho, uh, let's go on. <laughs> Continue. That's probably my favorite pre song. Anywho, uh, Yuzuki here. I thought for a rookie in your first match, absolutely blown away. I know Rossi a day or two before the show really really hyped her up, and I'm like, boy, you're putting a lot of pressure on someone that's never wrestled before, 18 years old, on your streaming on your YouTube channel that you have well over a million subscribers and you're wrestling Momo Watanabe, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the history of this company. And uh, she delivered. And Rob, I can tell you, there are things that takes years to learn. Timing, selling, placement, when to fire up, when to sell on certain levels. Those things takes reps upon reps, upon reps. And Yuzuki here is like three years ahead of time on it. I mean, absolutely, fat, completely blown away. Like her offense was good, Momo. And, she, and Momo's in the ring, she's leading everything. But at the same time, you need two to tango. Um, where Momo placed her offense here was great. You know, it's Momo. Again, she's one of the best ever in this company. Still very much in her prime. Um, but I'm super. I think, you know, Aya Sakura is great. Miyu Amasaki, she started out really good, got injured. You know, the past five, six months, she's really been able to find her footing here. Uh, obviously, Hanako is great as well. But geez, I tell you what, as far as the debut match, I'm completely blown away here. Completely blown away. And uh, was it just me, Robert? It looked, she looked like she was dressed a little bit like Queen's Quest Momo Watanabe in this match. It did look quite Queen's Quest gear, didn't it? Sorry, I'm eating an orange at the same time. Um <laughs> And I'm glad you brought up actually the fact that she, you know, she looks three years, you know, past where she should be. And the thing I wanted to point out is that everything seemed very organic. We've seen debuts and matches like I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on May Sakurai, who, you know, for anyone that listens to the podcast knows how much I she's improved and how much I've, you know, sort of gone over my uh, initial sort of uh, indifference towards her. But when she first came to stardom, I think the exact sort of reference that I used was it looked like she was an actress learning lines. And it was very much a case of head down, remember the next move, right? Where am I going now? Okay, next move, next move, next move. And it just seemed like she was reciting a script, trying not to forget her lines, but also because of that, not adding any feeling or emotion and sort of losing that realism because of it. Yuzuki, now obviously we don't know how often, how long she's been putting together this match with Momo Watanabe, you know, we simply don't know. But for me, everything seemed really, really quick and really, really organic. It seemed like Yuzuki knew exactly what she was doing, when she was doing it, what she wanted to do. That babyface sympathy she was able to organically garner at the end, where she's literally collapsing and sort of crawling towards Momo Watanabe. That's brilliant stuff. You'd have forgiven her for getting beaten in five minutes with a B-driver, and that's the end of that. Yep, she's a rookie, she's at the bottom of the card, she's going to eat a lot of pinfalls. Brilliant. This is the new one. However, you have got 
someone who is doing flying head scissors. Like, what? <laughs> what? Um, now, obviously, we don't want to completely overblow this. You know, she's not Mayu Iwatani levels. I mean, she's 18 and this is her first match. But considering this is her first match, I thought she did a fantastic job. And you pointed out Matt in there with Momo Watanabe, who's great. But Momo Watanabe did not hold back. I know we were making a couple of Judas Priest references, a bit of a joke, but seriously, she is laying in those kicks really, really hard. And there's some of them where it literally sounds like a cannon going off as Momo is laying in these PK kicks to Yuzuki's chest. Um, but basically in a nice wrapped up bow i am very very excited with what yuzuki is able to do and how quickly she is able to progress up the card very excited great debut i actually gave it three and a half stars matt yeah me too i had a three and a half stars and uh, i know i'm gonna sound like a broken record but i have to bring this up the best part about this is she's gonna be in the ring with the Hanas, mm-hmm. with the Mayus, with the Julias, with the Micahs, with the Momos, Starlight Kid. I'm sure she's going to get a passion injection match sometime yeah, in the spring of next year. Well. You know that's going to happen. You know when we go to New Blood 15, you're like, Matt, you called it back around Thanksgiving time. You know that's going to happen. So as great as she looked here, she's only going to improve. And again, this is the most stacked roster in all of wrestling, in my opinion, by a country mile. And she's only going to continue to improve. So I'm super excited to see where she goes. I know we'll probably, towards the end of the show, we'll preview uh, some of the upcoming shows. But I think she's wrestling Saida in a singles match. I thought I saw a graphic there somewhere uh, coming up soon. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm wrong quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was – Rossi hyped her up, properly hyped her up. I said, oh, boy, this 18-year-old kid, God bless her. She's got a lot of hype coming in. She absolutely delivered. Again, it's the little intangibles. The selling, the timing, the ring. I see it all the time when I do these independent shows, wrestling, wrestling, five years, six years, seven years, eight years, and they don't have their ring positioning down as well as she did in her very first match. It's something that takes a lot of reps and a lot of timing. And you mentioned it before, partner, that uh, she looked absolutely natural on everything. So super excited to uh, watch her growth and development. Yeah, um, it's been it's been an interesting um, series of shows the new blood series because yes there's been some flatter ones um especially sort of four up to maybe premium but it's done a world of good to the likes of wakasuki armor i think lady c has benefited massively from being on the shows me amasaki has benefited um hanan and sayrida i think have benefited and maybe yuzuki is the latest to benefit from uh from these shows and i like how you didn't mention hazuki because you feel like she deserves a little bit of a break before she's absolutely beaten into a pulp again because as we know hazuki has no days off um we move on then matt what else do you want to talk about do you want to delve into this hanan and maysera match do you want to talk about sayurida finally picking up a singles victory where are we going next on this card no, just kudos to Saida on getting the win over May Sakuraya, but that was a solid match. Yuna and Suzu was really good, and we knew they were going to absolutely throw it down. But yeah, let's let's talk about this match. My opinion, the best match of the show, and I'm assuming that you'll agree with me as we have the current high-speed champion, May Sarah, taking on uh, the future, pretty much going to win everything possible in one hand, and my friend. So what were your, your thoughts and opinions on this uh, instant classic? I thought... 
there was two very distinct parts of this match. There was the high-speed offense, but then there was a, a brutality we don't see from Maysera at all. Um, she's like the cuddly, happy, you know, fantastic wrestler, but, you know, we don't see her laying in strikes. However, here we see a completely different side of her halfway through the match. And I think Hannon bought that out from her, which is fantastic. And I thought there was bits in this match where Hannon is innovating certain bits of offense. There was the moment where Maysera looks to slingshot herself over the top rope and Hannon catches it with a judo throw and throws it to the man. It might seem like a really simple move, but it was executed so beautifully and I've never seen Hannon do it. It just went so seamlessly. It just looked like she'd been doing it for weeks and she seems to be picking up more and more and more every time she's in the ring and the acceleration in her progress if she's not in the conversation for Stardomcast's most improved wrestler at the end of the year I would be absolutely I'd be shocked I really would because I think especially over the last couple of months she's been untouchable as the most improved and here I feel like not only did she give a champion in stardom a huge run for her money a perfectly timed finish. How many times have we seen time limit draws where someone's just kicked out of a move and then two seconds later the bell goes? Or, you know, the bell just goes in the middle of a striking exchange. This, Hannon hits the Hannon special. It looks like she's got the pinfall. And at the count of two, the bell goes. That is perfect timing. I loved it. I honestly really really enjoyed this Hannon stopping Maysera from using her high speed offense which means that Maysera has to resort to this angry aggressive side we just do not see Hannon responding in kind proving that she can keep up with the high speed stuff but proving that there is another side as well um I truly do think I, I know I say it all the time but I truly do think that she is a future red belt champion um and I gave it four and a quarter stars. Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match. If you can only watch one match from this show, make it that match. Really, really thoroughly enjoyable match. Yeah, you hit uh, you hit the the nail right on the head there, brother. The spot that you were talking about is uh, May likes to do the uh, that springboard uh, flipping neckbreaker, the blockbuster. We've yes. seen her doing it quite a bit, especially to save like Suzu and tag matches. And we've never really seen a counter before. And I thought it was, not only was it countered, it was countered into one of Hanan's, Hanan's uh, not the Hanan special, but one of Hanan's specialty things there in the uh, in the judo throw. I thought that was really good. And there's this one spot where May goes to the top rope and then Hanan just grabs her and she's like the stalling wrist clutch uh, backdrop suplex. I thought that was great. But yeah, now we're seeing a striking offense from May Sarah here that is just going to add into her repertoire of obviously the high-speed offense, the quick pins, the quick falls, uh, plus the fantastic tag stuff that she does with uh, Megan Bain and, of course, Suzu Suzuki. So again, on this loaded roster, you have Hanan, who now is wrestling full-time and just getting better with each and every show. And then you have May Sarah, who was not a part of this company for two years up until All-Star Grand Queendom. It's like she just inserts herself in the mix and is and is shot herself up right up right up the card and done it with hard work and perseverance and just the fact that she has that connection to the crowd as well you know when she comes out she has everything on the you know the wrist tape and she's been able to connect with the crowd before the bell even rings which is a little intangible that really goes a long way excellent match this is one of the few times my friend that you actually have a higher star rating than i do i gave it uh four stars and i know you had a four and a quarter so Easily to say that this is uh one of our favorite matches of this weekend and great job and again with the time limit draw 
especially with Hanan really on top on the fall, basically showing that if this was an MMA fight, that the judges would probably go to Hanan on the win. Maybe this is somewhere down the line where we see Hanan get her first crack at the high-speed championship, and they run this one back. I think at the end of the year, we do predictions for the next year. So what we're going to see in 2024, maybe have three predictions for what's going to happen in 2024. I think one of my predictions is that Hannon will get that wonder of stardom championship shot. I don't think she wins it because after all, Hannon is still only, is she? I think she's 19 now. Um, if she's not 19, she's 18. So there's still so much time. But I feel like we are getting closer to Hannon getting a wide belt shot and it not feeling not feeling undeserved, if you get my meaning. It feeling like she belongs in that scene. Um, I don't know if I'd want her as high-speed champion. I know that sounds really horrible. And I'm sure she'd do a fantastic job as high-speed champion. But I want her elevated to that sort of upper mid card as uh, as soon as possible. I really do. Can you imagine a Hannon versus Hazuki feud for the white belt? I was just I was just thinking of that when you said that uh you want to see Hannon get a white belt title shot. And I think it's going again again I said this point I think my <laughs> prediction is Mina Mina wins it at the end of the year and then come late spring, early summer, Hazuki finally gets that run, fingers crossed. And uh yeah brother that'd be an awesome match Hazuki versus uh Hanan especially if they build that up uh for the white belt and you know the middle of 2024 count me in brother <clears throat> count me in imagine okay? yeah sorry it's this orange <laughs> really tangy um uh, imagine if <laughs> Hanan wins a Cinderella and Cash is in the opportunity to take the belt off Hazuki that would be incredible really oh I'm excited by the very premise of my own made-up hypothesis now. Um, so, excited, so, so excited, folks, that him and John Moxley are both doing the job this week to Orange. There you go. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Genuinely, you cannot. I cannot stress the amount of tang in the back of my throat right now. Um, so we move on then to... Let's talk, let's talk about the main event. Um, Rena uh, achieving her fourth successful title defense to remain the 10th future of stardom champion against the hometown girl, Hanako, who came out in brand new gear, thought the brand new gear looked really, really smart. How do you think she fared in this match? Because personally, I think she did a tremendous job. We had quite a not a basic, we had the storyline of little versus big, didn't we, where Rena initially struggled to lock in the hydrangea because Hanako is so much bigger and I got such vibes from Hanako in this match, I mean, she, I don't think she hit the JP coaster, unless I'm very much mistaken, but she just she gives me Himika vibes I don't know if it's because the hair looks very Himika-ish now, or if it's because she's the same build as Himika um, but the way she was running through Rena you know, powering her up into suplexes and things, I, I thought she did a very, very, very good job in this match, she was, you know, again, Rena struggled to put it the hydrangea in the first time, managed to lock it in the second time, but Hanako's so long, this, you know, she's able to get to the bottom rope, and then eventually the third time, she's forced to tap out. But overall, I thought Hanako did a fantastic job here. She did hit the JP coaster, my friend. I'm looking over my notes. She did hit the JP coaster for a 2.9 count. Right. But I like the psychology of Rena. Really have to think outside the box to get that hydrangea in. And as always, whenever we see it, it's all it's obviously akin to uh, you know one of her mentors, the late great Hana Kamura. So I I love that she does that. And uh, 
Yeah, Rena again, very much like her twin sister Hina, is just something that's improving by leaps and bounds, and I'm really enjoying this future of Stardom Championship run. I think it's absolutely perfect for her and perfect for the company. Hanako here, uh, great, you know, look, look great. Not only with her stuff in the ring, but the new gear as well. I thought this was the right time to debut it. You're again, you ha- you're on your YouTube stream in your main event for a championship uh, in your hometown. Great way to debut it because then you're building yourself up before you even get into the ring, and then you wind up building up the uh, the champion and you know having the champion go over clean with the high ranger. I thought Hanako here dominated majority of this match. You know, 65 percent of the match was her, which is the easy story to tell, um, but the logical story to tell, something easy to uh, to follow. But again, it was the uh, the fact that Rena would just find a way to lock in that high ranger. She was, uh, I guess, the quote hell bent. I guess here it is hell bent. We go back to the mm-hmm. Judas Priest reference. Hell bent to uh, to get it in, and when she did, it was a tap out. It was, you know, great way to end a great show. My second favorite match on the show. I had it at three and three fourth stars. Um, yeah, I like I said, I thought this was a really really good showcase for Hanako, even though it was her. Um, her home prefecture. I don't think people thought that she would dethrone Rena. Um, what I am really intrigued now is who does Rena have next? She's already beaten Lady C, Wakasukiyama, Azusha, Inaba, Pomi, and Hanako, and of course she beat Amisori for the belt. Do we think that it will be Rena and Hina, um, or do you think we're saving that match? Um, we could potentially go i don't know if may sakurai is uh is a little bit past this belt now or not um but who would you like to see rena against next not even you know someone to dethrone her but who would you like to see rena maybe challenge next uh, apart from tomoka inaba obviously. Um, you read my mind i was gonna say tomoka inaba but uh, not her than her sister uh, and you know i think that they they uh obviously they have great chemistry together i mean they're, they're sisters they're blood they're twins and uh, whenever they have these multi-person matches where it's Queen's Quest versus a wet tie or it's a three-way or four-way, like we said on the show from the 11th, they had the opener, that they're just flawless in the ring against each other. And I think they would put on an absolute banger. Who knows, Rob? Maybe we get that match on the pay-per-view come the second or we do get it at Dream Queendom. I have a feeling that uh, Rena will be defending the belt on Dream Queendom. And again, this is their big show at the end of the year. I'd be shocked if not every championship Minus the IWGP belts um, will be defended on the show. So that might be one way to go about it, my friend. You know, in a month's time, maybe Rena versus Hina or uh, Rena versus Tomoka uh, Nabe would be, uh, that would sell me, buddy. That would absolutely sell me. How about you? I think Rena takes the belt um, simply because, you know, you can't have three sisters and only have two of them holding the future of Stardom belt. Um I don't know, Miyu Amasaki could be another one. that's a great one, my friend. That's a great one. Um, I'd quite like to see Miyu, especially because she's done so much good work. She did really well during the Tag League as part of O2 line. And as you mentioned, um, she's been progressively getting better um, after the sort of sort of lull she had post-injury. So, yeah, I'd like to see her get another uh, another opportunity at that belt. I think she'd do well. Obviously, we, we haven't seen Momo Kogo in a while. Um, I don't know if she's another one that's injured, but Momo Kogo, I think, would uh, would be another potential title defense for Rena as well. But again, we'll uh, we'll wait and see. Ultimately, I'd love Hina to be the one that dethrones Rena. We shall see. We shall see. 
Um, let's move on then to uh, the latest Stardom pay-per-view, which is, of course, Gold Rush 2023. Happened on the 18th of November from the Edian Arena Osaka in Osaka, Japan. Um, attendance of 1,033 people. Now, it is uh, it is important to note that the last time Stardom ran this venue was the Supreme Fight Show. Uh, in February, and they drew 1,832 people. So a huge drop-off of nearly 800 people um, from the last time they ran the venue. Now, obviously, you know, that show had a red belt match, a white belt match. Um, I believe it had tag tile defense as well with 7-Up and My Himmy. So uh, it is comparing apples and oranges to a certain extent, but this, I feel like, is another example of what we were talking about earlier um you know so many pay-per-views um you are missing so many of your stars you look at this card again no Yutami, no saya no mayu um you've got no natsupoi no tam um no kagama no um who else isn't on this card that i've forgotten to mention saki. and i'll feel really saki bad Kashima, huh? yeah, saki yeah. there you go i knew there was another one um it's quite it's, it's a lengthy list and list of people who um who people, of course, are going to pay money to come and see. Um, so, yes, I think that contributes to some of the attendance, but ultimately, I feel like Stardom would be disappointed with this attendance. Now, I'm going to ask you a very serious question. Oh, I don't, want, I don't like, like these. All right, hold on one second. Let me shake up. All right, serious Matt Turner. Let's go. Are you ready? ready. Are you sure? Yeah, oh. shake it out, my All brother. Right, let's go. Um, this card, this show, were you disappointed overall with the show? No. The reason why is when I pay for a show, whether it's a ticket to sit in the crowd, a pay-per-view, or I pay my, whether it's $5, $7, $8, $9 for the streaming service, did I get my money's worth? I think that uh, when I bought this pay-per-view, when you do the, you know, the translation from yen to dollars... I think it comes out to $33. Absolutely not. Uh, I was not disappointed. That white belt match was worth my $33 alone. You add in the three-way with Suzu, Azumi, and Starlight Kid. You add in, in my opinion, or not in my opinion, what is my favorite Sherry UWF-style match. And I've seen them all, and you know I love shoot-style wrestling. This was my favorite one. From a wrestler in Alice Inc. I've never seen before. And then you also throw on top of that the uh, high-speed championship with the Momoko Hanazono and May Sarah. I absolutely got my money's worth. Now, the main event and the whole Moneyball tournament was kind of like, oh, okay, I guess it was there. But um, no, I was not disappointed at all. And I think if you're calling this show a disappointment and you have that white belt match, um, and I did see some people that, you know, messaged me. They said, you know, they were just a little bit of disappointment in the show, and that's your opinion. And some people were telling me, but that match really need to go 30 minutes. And Rob Goodwin, I'm going to quote the greatest actor of all time in Arnold Schwarzenegger and one of the greatest movies of all time in Kindergarten Cop. And I'm just going to say, stop whining. Really, you're whining about Sayori Anu Mirai going 30 <laughs> minutes? Come on. Stop whining. But no, absolutely not. I think this was another great. And I mentioned at the beginning of the show, every single stardom pay-per-view that I pay my money for, I've got my money's worth, except for that uh, Halloween show a few weeks ago. But uh, I digress, sir. We don't talk about that. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> we, we don't talk about the Halloween show. Um, I think, yeah, I think 
it's perhaps the weakest of the stardom pay-per-views with the exception of the Halloween <laughs> show. Um, so we don't talk about it. We're right back. What a guy. And, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, through the injuries as well, they had to, obviously the planned red belt match was scrapped um, because of Tam's injury, which meant that Suzu was put into a three-way match with Azumi and the returning Starlight Kid, which is certainly one of the positives from this show. The fact that we get Starlight Kid back, really, really, really good three-way. That wide belt match, fantastic. Fantastic. If you, I don't understand why people are complaining about that match. Fantastic match. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Mirai is another one who, the more she's growing in confidence, the better she is getting. And I think the way she's throwing those lariats at the moment, with both arms, no less. It's not one arm dominant. She is throwing with both arms. And when you get someone who's just good at selling, as Sayoriano is, and as bendy and elastic as Sayoriano is, it just works so well. Um, and these two put on a fantastic, fantastic match. That frantic closing segment, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. The Moneyball Tournament, um, I think you sent me a text, Matt, which I believe the exact wording was, well, that ladder match certainly happened. And coming from me, um, coming which, from me who went exactly. waves, who's super positive, loves wrestling, loves stardom, you know, loves everybody that was in the match, of course. Obviously, you have Hazuki, Saida, Julia, love all of them. And I was like, okay, but that's coming from me. So, like, what were your opinions then going in? At least I set the table for you, you know? Again, I want to make this perfectly clear. This is nothing to do with the wrestlers. Nope. And the wrestlers, you look at what, you know, Hazuki tried to throw at this match. You look at what Julia tried to throw at this match to try and make it a little bit more intense. And the entire tournament, considering this is what this entire pay-per-view is based around, all of the matches felt throwaway. Um, and, you know, the two semi-final matches, um, and I'll go through the results in a moment. I do know I haven't done that yet. The two semi-finals w- were solid, absolutely. But I've seen, and I think I think Armani Shoe Exchange on Twitter, actually, somebody up really well. I've seen better six-woman tags on the house shows than these here and i completely agree i can think of at least four or five six women's from different house shows that have been not more exciting but have been better than these matches and then the ladder match was you know let's not be around the bush it was crap um and again that is absolutely nothing to do with the wrestlers but when you are giving the wrestlers 10 minutes to do a ladder match with four mystery boxes and there's a key and then there is an alarm that drops the box. There's just too much. There's too much inside that 10 minutes for it to be good, for it to be cohesive. And it's such a shame for all six women included. And it's even more of a shame that it main evented the show. Because let's be honest, Matt, there's not a chance that this should have main evented the show. It should have been the Wonder of Stardom Championship match. And that is a view shared by Julia, who was in this match. So I'll t- I'll go through the results, and then I'll talk about the final bit of this Julia interview that I found really, really interesting. 
we had the pre-show irregular battle royal, which the phrase battle royal does make me laugh because <laughs> Stardom Bless Them have been really struggling for a roster. And there was one, two, three, four, five, six. There were seven people <laughs> in this battle royal. Seven people is not a battle royal. Um, but of course, it's a multi-woman match. And therefore, Fuki and Death of course, wins the day under her guise of Billiken Death, which, of course, is the Osaka. Um, it's an Osaka symbol, I believe. Um, but she defeated Lady C, Micah, Megan Bain, Mina Shirakawa, Mio Amasaki, and Yuna Mizumori, eliminating Mio Amasaki, finally, to win in 40 minutes and 44 seconds with the O'Connor roll. In the first of our Moneyball Tournament semi-final matches, the Stars team of Hanan, Hazuki, and Saya Ida defeated the God's Eye team of Amisori, Konami, and Hanako, um, with Hanan pinning Hanako with the 17 roll-up in 10 minutes and 32 seconds. The second tournament semi-final saw the Donna Del Mondo team, the Barry Barry Bombers, Julia, May Sakurai and Tekla defeating the Ueretai team of Momo Watanabe, Natsukatora and Ruaka with May Sakurai getting the pinfall over Maraka with the Mai Pan roll in 9 minutes and 28 seconds. Um, High-speed title match with May Seira, the champion, defeating Momoka Hanazana with the shooting star in 7 minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, the three-way match, then we saw Azumi defeat Starlight Kid and Suzu Suzuki in 10 minutes and 15 seconds. Azumi pinning Starlight Kid. Welcome back, Starlight Kid, with the Azumi Sushi. Um, we then had the UWF rules match. Suri defeating the Scandinavian Hurricane Alice Inc. by technical knockout after a buzzsaw kick in 10 minutes and 15 seconds. Semi-main event and easily... Easily match of the show is the match we've talked a lot about already. Mirai the champion versus the challenger Sayoriano going to the time limit of 30 minutes. And then in your main event, we have the Artist of Stardom Championship Moneyball Tournament Final. Uh, the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia May Sakurai and Tekla defeating the Stars team of Hanan Hazuki and Saya Ida in 10 minutes and 27 seconds. Now, um, this translation again is courtesy of Himanshu Doi on Twitter which is at Himanshu underscore Doi uh, go and follow them they do a fantastic job of translating stuff to do with stardom but there's a big lengthy piece about Julia's frustration about this show and this main event match in particular so uh, I'll read the quote out and I'll sort of let you uh, let you make of this what you will. So, quote, There was originally a World of Stardom Championship match on that show, but it's no longer there or it's been cancelled. So, to be honest, I don't think we should call our match, the Moneyball Final, the main event. It's like a bonus match. I thought they should have titled it like that. Like, won't the fans watch it thinking it's the main event? Not to mention the title match, which is a big highlight for the Red Belt, but it's gone. Well, you can't play around with that. This is also connected to what I said earlier about there being a discrepancy between the wrestlers' feelings and what the company wants to do. But I thought with the, with this lineup, we could put on a great six-man tag without any weird gimmicks. You think like, can't we do that? I don't. I didn't even know what was being prepared. And on the day of the match, baby powder started raining all over the ring. It may be fun for some people, but it's extremely dangerous. It might look fun, but it's slippery, and that doesn't become a match, right? because it was really dangerous, because there was lots of it. 
Also, I have a slight allergy, and if I inhale it, I get symptoms. It gets really itchy, my nose and throat, there are small issues. But anyway, I can't even run the ropes properly in the ring because it's so slippery. Climbing on the corners is also dangerous. Without any, even any proper planning, we were told, okay, go ahead and do it. I'll do it, I'll do my best, but I wonder what the fans will think. I wonder if the fans want to see something like this. Maybe now is the time to show an intense fight, especially given the current situation. You could say it's more like a clash of feelings. Isn't this the true essence of pro wrestling? It's times like these, it's times like this that we have to show an intense match. I was like, why am I doing this? I was really embarrassed. Now, for a start, it's worth noting that Julia is currently trending on Twitter, which I thought was quite funny. Um, I think that sums up this final match better than either of us could. Um, and we're going to start with this because I want to start with the negatives and then build towards the positives. Um, again, there's nothing against these six women at all. This isn't about them in ring. However, it seems like they didn't know what was going on until the day of the show. And then four mystery boxes turned up. The fact that you put something that one of your wrestlers is actually allergic to in one of the boxes is just blind stupidity. Um, you know, surely that's something that should have been checked. Um, and it's funny that Julia should mention about getting on the corners to try and get to the boxes, because I did think that there was one point where May Sakurai is having to help Tekla across the ropes to try and get to one of the boxes. And it just looked so precarious and so dangerous and so unnecessarily dangerous as well. Um, and then you've got a roster so rav ravaged by injury. And you put something in there like baby powder, which the wrestlers are stumbling over, slipping over, you know, all sorts. You can't afford to have more injuries. The match itself and the concept of the match seemed really, really ill thought out. Um, I have no idea what the brown things were. Um, there we are. Um, I believe of the four boxes, one had just some random money in it. Um which Sayurida stole, which I thought was quite funny. Um, one of them had a baby powder in, which, sure. Um, one of them had the key to the chest in, which, you know, is fine, that makes sense. Um, and then the other one had, I, I assume there was some sort of food that is associated with Osaka, which unfortunately I, I don't know. Um, but there's a moment where you see a real close-up of Julia's face and Julia just looks like she's had enough. She really does. As her and Sayurida, two hard-hitting wrestlers who, by all accounts, have just had a fantastic singles match at Takako Inoue, in, uh, Inoue's um, anniversary show. Or are going to. No, they have. They have had Yeah, because Julia posted I think picture, it's happened. Julia posted pictures last night that she had like a hematoma on her head. Very yes, similar, that's very right. similar to like what she did with Tam. And of course... The uh, Twitterverse are like, how do we view this? How do we view this? I'm like, I'm assuming it's going to go up on Stardom World because they built this matchup on the Stardom shows. But I digress, my friend. Go ahead, sir. No, you're absolutely right. I, th I, I think it has happened. But they're then trying to hit these, trying to hit each other with these donuts, and the crowd is so dead for it. 
Like, there's no sound at all. And bless Hazuki is trying desperately to get these people involved in the match. Um, but it's just... It's perhaps one of the worst matches I've seen in the four years I've been watching Stardom. And it's a shame. It uh, The initial... You think about how this concept has changed. We had that fantastic Osaka Super Wars event where they were proper ladder matches and it felt like a really cohesive show. It was built around this tournament. And look how gimmicky it's become. Like, you you think about that Osaka show, you've got Mayu doing the moonsault off the ladder onto Micah. You know, you've got Kogama literally diving into the roof of the venue to hit this fantastic diving splash to the outside. There was an intensity, and it was taken seriously. And I feel like every time they've done a 10 million yen tournament since, it's been progressively diluted more and more and more. And here, it was actually quite difficult to watch. I think the only reason it was that I managed to get through is because it was only 10 minutes long. Um, what did you think, Matt? Um it's garnered obviously quite a lot of negativity online and um you know I, d- I don't want to be blindly positive i don't feel like this match is something that we can be positive about especially now knowing a little bit more of the backstory going into it from this interview with julia as um they were doing kind of like the intermission setting up for this match and i don't think the rules i mean I, we knew from last year with the money ball you, you climb up the ladder you get you get the you get the money that's that's pretty much the you know the concept it's a ladder match it's just the you know whether it's a championship or a contract or whatever that's the gimmick but then they're setting up these boxes that look remind me of like super mario world and i'm like i don't remember them ever making that now like what are like and i didn't understand like i'm really confused going to this and then not only that but like I don't speak Japanese very well. I'm just starting, you know, to learn actually a little bit, but I'm like, I'm obviously not going to be able to follow on commentary here. So like, I don't know what's going on. And then, yeah, Julia's absolutely right. When you have the baby powder coming and then how much came down that early in the match, I mean, baby powder is used for wrestling, especially in the sixties, seventies, eighties It's used for like a spot for a heel to cheat. But usually when the baby powder spot happens, it pretty much signals the end of the match. So you don't have to worry about any crazy spots going on. This was used early. And considering the fact that Julia is, you know, somewhat allergic to baby powder. Now, Rob, I've been doing the wrestling on the independence for more than half of my life. And I've wrestled for some small, small time companies. And anytime you get into a gimmick match or anything like this, the promoter usually tells you what's going on. Or you go to the promoter book, like, what do you want here? What do you want me to get over? What do you want me to sell for your next show? What what What's the goal that you want me to get to so I know how to get there in the best way possible? That's going to make me more money and make the company more money. Considering the fact that they didn't, I'm assuming they didn't tell Julia, one of their biggest stars in the main event of this pay-per-view that they're using baby powder. I'm assuming if they did, I'm sure she would have said, hey, I can't do that because I'm allergic. But then you're running all the, again, it's the lack of communication that we saw, you know, a few weeks prior. Again, hopefully with the new regime, this is done and over with. I'm not opposed to them doing this Moneyball tournament. I thought last year, the finals, despite the Moneyball breaking 90 seconds in, I still thought it was great. I thought Hazuki and Julia took these crazy <laughs> big bumps. I still thought it was a great ladder match. This was the complete opposite because there was too much gimmicky. There was too much stuff in there to overshadow the wrestlers. And if you were to ask me in six months from now, who were the six wrestlers that were in this match? 
it would probably take me a little bit to figure it out, but I would remember just how just insane this was kind of in a bad way. Rob, I'm going to say this last thing, and then I would like for us to move on so we go to the more positive aspects of what was ultimately a really great show. Um, my star rating for this match, I didn't rate it. I just couldn't, out of lack of respect for this promotion that I love, and out of these six wrestlers that I absolutely love, I did not rate it at all. You know, you mentioned before a few minutes ago, buddy, about the wrath of injuries that are going on in stardom. And then you kind of put this match on with so many other chances to get injured with all these gimmicks that didn't need to be there. I just thought this was very short-sighted on stardom. Again, I did not rate it. Again, I absolutely love all six wrestlers that were in this match. Absolutely, completely agree with you. I gave it two stars. I mean, and I only gave it that high because I appreciate what the wrestlers, the wrestlers really tried to make something of this. And I feel like that needs to be noted. Um, You're absolutely right, Matt. Um, We will move on to the more positives in a second. Um, And you hit the nail on the head there when you said it's about that lack of communication when you don't know the rules the day of the show when you are you know there was i believe it was a lack of communication between the president and julia that led to julia being so annoyed after that show a couple of weeks ago where she was effectively laughed off so to then have the lack of communication here it's no wonder that she goes backstage and yells that she just wants a normal match which is apparently what happened um hopefully as you mentioned bless you good sir um Hopefully, as you mentioned, this new regime will see things going back. I have no issue with the Moneyball tournament. I really don't. Just don't make it really stupidly gimmicky. That first year was the perfect way. Now, I'm not saying that I want everyone to do stupid bumps off the ladder because, you know, we, we've just spent however many weeks talking about the injuries in stardom. That would be, you know, that would be completely contradictory. But, you know, just take it more seriously, you know, we're not here for the comedy. You know, we're here for the wrestling. And Rossi, if you want to run the promotion as a straight promotion, that is what we want to. So hopefully we get more of that because as proved by other matches on this card, when given the opportunity, these are the best wrestlers in the world. Um, And let's start by highlighting this wonder of stardom championship match because I thought Mariah and Sioriano tore the house down with this match this was great and i want to get to this point rob before i forget because this came into my head about 10 minutes ago and if i don't mention it i will forget maybe the fact that this went to a 30 minute time limit draw maybe this is the match that you run back next saturday maybe it's just like story i know comes out at the end of the corican show or whatever match mariah has and says i took you to the limit i beat you the last time we were in corican in the five star let's run it back because now it's fresh in everybody's mind that this was an instant classic. And then if you add Mariah versus Soriano, they run it back with maybe no time limit, where there's a winner on the stack show going into the final show of the year. That could be smart business. Now, with that being said, yes, this was fantastic. Starts out with some really great technical chain wrestling between the two back and forth. Um, and then we just see Mariah, like you said, with their onslaught of, uh, of lariats, both from the left, both from the right. And now does she do with them? Um, she does them, but she does she does them with purpose. Like there's psychology, there's something behind it. They get to this really great apron fight, and you're wondering, and they're building up the spot. You know, somebody is going to either bump onto the apron or they're going to take a bump and then go to the floor. Um, so they're building to it, building to it, and they're building up the suspense. 
And then Soriano, I have no idea how she does this on the small part of the ring, but she hits the fisherman suplex, or what I dubbed her version, the perfect, perfect plex onto the apron. I thought that was great. Uh, again, we could talk about this match all day. I got a feeling this is a match that we're going to be doing an alternate on an alternate commentary for our Patreon listeners in the upcoming months because this is too good not to. But there's a point when um, they're building towards the finish of the match and Sayori Anu hits the Tom's Tandra and nobody's kicked out of it in stardom. And she hasn't. I figured, okay, this, when she hits it, I figured this is going to, if anybody's going to kick out of it, they protected it. It's going to be Mirai in this match. The way Mirai is not looking at the ref and the way she has it sold and her eyes were closed, there was a split second where I was like, they're changing the belt here. Like, they're going to change the belt here. And then she does the uh, pottering here, as I dubbed it, the backslide from heaven. And it's another one where Mirai has her eyes closed, not looking at the ref, not keeping, keeping, it looks like she's keeping count of the cadence. So you're, you know, you're showing your cards. And it's another one where I thought, they're changing the belt here. And Mirai kicks out like 2.999. So not only is Mirai phenomenal at certain things that she does, you know, the lariats, the offense, the selling, the building, the suspense. Now you're adding this because she's in championship matches and is going to be in main events or co-main events, uh, hopefully for a long time, because she certainly earned it and deserved it. Now she's building up the suspense to who is going to win this match in the final half second with her kicking out of these finished at the last second. I don't think anybody thought that Suri Anu was going to be winning the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Anybody I talked to, either like, this is just going to be a great match for Mirai to get her win back from the five-star, but there's two times in the final five minutes of this match, I thought, holy jeez, they're going to switch the belt, and they got me to bite on it. So that just shows the genius of these two. Again, if they run this one back, like, you know, a lot of people were like, how come Mirai didn't, they didn't put Mariah over here. And again, I don't know. I would have had Mariah maybe get the pinfall maybe in the last second. But again, if they're doing a time limit draw and they run it back in a week or two, I have no problem with it. If they save this for the end of the year show, I have no problem with it. And that's where you build towards it. Let it be an instant classic and then run it right back again. Um, but this was great. Mariah's run with this wonder of stardom championship. You know, it started when she defeat Tam for the uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship, you had the Momo match, the Konami match, this match. I mean, she is just doing phenomenal things with this Wonder of Stardom Championship. And considering the fact, Rob, she's been chasing this belt for over a year from coming off winning the Cinderella tournament last year, and she's getting a proper, you know, run with this belt. How long it goes, I don't know. But again, this was fantastic. You mentioned if I was disappointed with this show. Again, we talked about the Moneyball ad nauseum. We're going to put that to bed. And I understand that's your last image of the show. Don't let it be. How can anybody be disappointed with this show, whether you paid the $7 and you waited for a stardom world? If you were like me that paid the $33 and got it on pay-per-view and watched it live when it happened, or if you sat in the front row and paid, I don't know, $100 or you know what have you, how can you be disappointed with this show when you have two wrestlers in a match to get this belt over? Mariah gets over, Suriano gets over. The Wonder of Stardom Championship, which has been – you know, a belt that's been crazy over since, you know, Kyrie had it. And it's been raised to levels with, you know, Eo's run, with Saya's run, with Momo's run, Arissa's run, so on and so forth. That belt gets elevated even more. Uh, phenomenal match. I hope they run this back again sometime soon for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Four and a half stars. This, again, this match was worth my $33, whatever I paid for this pay-per-view alone. 
I think you've managed to uh, to hit every point there. Completely agree with you. I think Mirai's run with this white belt is actually quite underrated. I don't feel like it's getting the plaudits it deserves. Um, because just between this match and the Momo Watanabe match, um, it's fantastic. And then you think back to that Konami match, um, the birth of the absolutely horrendously brutal lariat she gave to Konami. There have been really, really, really good defences. And I think people need to... Uh, to sort of sit up and take notice of this title reign. Um, uh, overall, really, 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 really good match. I love the idea of running it back because it's a very simple story. You know, say Oriano can come out at any point and say, Mariah, you've never beaten me. You know, we've wrestled twice. You haven't beaten me yet. You know, that wipe belt should be mine. And uh, I don't think anyone would be, would be disappointed. I don't think Stardom will run it back this close. But if they were to do it, I wouldn't be disappointed at all because we've seen from the five-star what they can do together and we've seen here what they can do together as well. I gave it four and a quarter stars. It's a must-watch for Stardom fans if you haven't already. Definitely go and check that out. Um, I want to talk about the three-way in a moment because that is another unsurprisingly fantastic match. But this UWF match, now... I don't particularly like the UWF style. I don't particularly like the shoot wrestling style. It, it's just not. It's just not for me. I can appreciate wrestlers that are good at it. However, it makes such a difference having two people who are who have legitimate MMA experience and legitimate um, jiu-jitsu experience or judo experience or, you know, actual fighting experience doing these types of matches. No disrespect at all to Mina Shirakawa, for example, who stepped up to Shuri and they had a very good match. I think this is the best UWF match that Shuri has had and I think it was always going to be because Alice Inc., who... You know, Stardom debuted, did a fantastic job. She is trained in that sort of combat. It's obviously going to be better. I loved how untidy this match was. It didn't seem choreographed at all, which made it seem more like a legitimate fight. I really enjoyed that about it. And again, I'm not particularly au fait with, uh, with UWF rules, and I'm not particularly au fait with the with the rule set as it is. But I enjoyed this match, and I thought, a, another fantastic notch in the belt of Suri as she continues on with these UWF matches. And I want to see more of Alice Inc. now, which going into this show, I didn't know if I'd care or not. I thought, honestly, really surprised me this match. Really surprised me. Now, I know that you are a huge fan of UWF, so you're going to be really hot on this match. But for me, absolutely Suri's best UWF match. Rob, not only was this my second favorite match of the show out of the uh, three matches we reviewed, this is my second favorite match of all three shows. That's how much I like this. And again, it's an acquired taste. I appreciate the shoot style of professional wrestling when it's done right. When you we have a Takata, a Maeda, uh, uh, when Sakuraba would do the shoot style, when uh, Shibata would do the shoot style, Minoru Suzuki, you know, the stuff like that when they do the shoot style of wrestling, the UWF. Uh, uh, Kimura is another one. Vulcan, I can go on and on and on because it is such a difficult style to do. Not only that, but your cardio has to be absolutely insane. I mean, it's tough to bump and get back up, bump and get back up. But you see in wrestling matches, you hit a double clothesline or a body slam, or you do something where you're selling. You're not only you're selling, but you're getting your breath back. But when you're doing, when you're rolling like this, you're, you're, you're grappling like this, and you have another human... Bi- 
human body on you or you're trading strikes, you have to make sure your breathing is absolutely correct because you are working a, a work shoot. So not only do you want to go that 9, 10, 11, 12 minutes, but you also want to make sure if you're doing any type of slam or throw that you have your energy and your proper breathing so you're not injuring your opponent. Again, I mentioned this before at the start of the show. I've never seen Alice Inc. before, and I did make mention that uh, when I previewed this uh, match and this show at last week's uh, show that I was going to spend some time watching Alice Inc. matches. I never got around to it. I was just insanely, insanely busy, so I went to this match completely cold. So literally somebody I've never seen wrestle before against somebody that I've seen all their matches for the last three years. Um, the one thing Sherry does great here is she puts Alice Inc. over. Now, I, what I mean by that is obviously Sherry gets the win with the uh, double buzzsaw kick, which is a, how she wins a lot of these shoot-style matches, which I absolutely love. Two kicks to the head, absolutely. That's a great way to finish. But under UWF uh, rules is if you get knocked down, you get a point taken away, and you have up to five points. And if you get knocked down five times, it's a technical TKO. Or if you use the ropes in between, they take away one of the points. That's why they have the five-on-five. And then once you get to the ropes, it's almost like the Ring of Honor, pure wrestling rules. You don't have any more rope breaks. For Alice Inc., even though she ate the L here, Alice Inc. won on the points four to two. Sherry had to use three of the knockdown or rope breaks, and Alice Inc. only used the one. So I thought that was that was very, very poignant to look at. I was like, they really did a great job building her up. And again, as soon as this match was over, I was like, I would love to see her more in stardom against Asaya Ida. Obviously, we're getting that match with Nanai Takahashi. But against like the hard hitters, against a Julia, against a uh, Utami, against a Micah, against the Suzu Suzuki, um, against the Mina Shirakawa, Momo. Jeez, I can go on and on and on. And I was like, I hope that they give her like either part-time contract or something. And then it was like two or three days later, they just announced a whole bunch of matches coming up over the next couple of weeks. And I saw her graphic pop up a lot. And I was like, well, there you go. And I think that was done out of proxy. I think if they didn't have plans for Alice Inc. moving forward, they wouldn't have gave her the 4-2 to knockdown win. I thought this was great. Rob, I know that we're running long, my man, but we need to talk about the thing that we thought was going to happen that did not happen. Were you surprised and disappointed at all? Especially when Sherry grabbed the microphone after the win. And I think a lot of people like, here it comes, here it comes. And then nothing happened. I think we've still got something big planned for Dream Queendom. Um... I mean, if that's something big is Suri versus Nanai Takahashi, I don't know. I don't know if that qualifies. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Wrestling Observer had put down that there was going to be a huge announcement for Gold Rush. Obviously, it didn't happen, uh, which was a shame. I think it could have taken a little bit of the heat off the, the Moneyball final. Um, but I think how well Alice Inc. did, um, I think it didn't mask the lack of announcement but whether they just haven't come to terms with whoever it is going to be whether it is going to be ronda rousey whether it is going to be oscar which and i blame Valkage for that by the way so thank you <laughs> he, he's the only one that reported um, that you shot that out to me i said where'd you hear that from i was like Valkage. i said he's awesome don't get me wrong but it's not like it's like Meltzer or alvarez or somebody reporting it <laughs> well I'll be honest, they're both at zero predictions <laughs> yeah, correct. Right, so. yeah. Falcon, just we'll throw a softball at us, buddy, and we'll put you over Big Dave. Don't worry. Yeah. We got you, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. Big Dave Velkic. Um, <laughs> um But yeah, we'll wait and see. It's one of those where we'll see how it pans out. Ask me the question again at the end um, at the end of Dream Queendom when we know a little bit more. Um, the uh, <laughs> I gave it three and three quarter stars. What about you? Oh, I, I, um, uh, what did I give it? Four and a quarter. 
is what I had. Yeah, four, four and a again. quarter. Yeah, again, that, it's it's absolutely my cup of tea. I understand the grappling and the kickbox and the MMA aspect. That's why I enjoy this style uh, more than most people. Let's move on to the final match I want to talk about on this card then, and it's the return of Starlight Kid, Azumi versus Starlight Kid versus Suzu Suzuki, who put on a 10-minute high-speed furious masterclass which was great to watch thoroughly 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 enjoyed it but one thing Matt it appears that in her absence Starlight Kid has completely forgotten that she's a heel because she (laughs) came down to the ring with this huge bag of goodies throwing them into the crowd gave the uh, gave the uh, Japanese commentary some um, after lobbing one at them by the way proper like full on baseball hurled it at them Um, he's a a mentor brother come on now exactly exactly didn't take anyone's eye out like my you would have done um but yeah it did make me laugh that we have got this big dark tiger you know heel who's coming out handing sweets out um but other than that you know starlight kid didn't look like she'd missed a beat um the entire match was well structured it was fast you know three of the best that stardom have um and it's a shame because obviously you know we'll we'll focus on azumi we'll focus on starlight kid because they're so damn good and you do I do feel like, despite winning the five star, all this uncertainty around Tam, it's really impacted Suzu, hasn't it? Really, like she hasn't had a direction. I feel like of all the wrestlers on the roster, she's been the one most heavily impacted by the lack of direction or sort of the treading water. And here, it's it's a throwaway match in the middle of the card. Let's be perfectly honest. And people are talking about oh, Starlight Kids back, and oh my God, Azumi won. And Suzu's sort of on the periphery. But in this match, she was brilliant. All three of them, like the three-way exchanges were fantastic. Often with three ways, you'll find that it's two people and then one comes back in. Two people, one comes back in. And it just sort of rotates. However, here, there were so many three sequences and like really innovative wrestling. It was really, really compelling viewing. A really, really, really good return for Starlight Kid, who we desperately need on this roster right now. Hopefully, Suzu, even though she didn't win, she can build on this. And of course, Azumi used that win to then cash in an opportunity for Julia's never, um, never open weight, New Japan strong women's open weight, Japan, Japanese belt title championship. That's right, isn't it? Yep, go for it. Um, But other than that, Matt, just a really, really, really fun match. Yeah, I figured Suzu would have gotten the win here, but when Azumi got the win, I was like, oh, that's weird. And then she, I'm like, oh, now I understand why. That makes complete sense. I understand the whole thing with Suzu treading water. That's not her fault. It's not the bookings committee's fault. Obviously, the clear plan was to do Suzu versus Tam at this show. Um, With even Suzu saying, I'm not waiting. You know, when she won the five stars saying, I'm not waiting. Uh, to the end of the year, I want my shot uh, at Gold Rush. So that's not her fault. They're kind of just playing wait and see with her. Obviously, now that we have a clear direction where they're going, and I think it's, like, it's really smart on Stardom's part, instead of just saying, okay, Suzu gets a buy all the way into Dream Queen, which would make sense. It's like, no, let's heat her up by giving her what's going to be an absolute fantastic match with Hazuki uh, coming up next Saturday. But uh, yeah, this match was great. And as always, the camera work here from Stardom was terrific. What I mean by that is any, really well. anytime Starlight Kid and Suzu Suzuki would have like a pinfall and they got like 2.9, out of nowhere, you would just see Izumi's two feet smack the, that person on top of the pinfall, break it up with the, with the, oh, du- so with the double stop. So uh, good. Like a running one that you would do and then one from the top rope. And it's just like, you don't even 
even see her coming until the last second. And and stardom, the stardom camera work, and kudos to them because we've seen them do this time and time again with a lot of big matches. We think it's the finish of the match, and then somebody comes in the last second, completely out of frame, which adds to you know the uh, the uh, the anticipation of the match, the anticipation of the fall, um, and the psychology of the match. But I think it's just great. But yeah, this was great back and forth. Even Starlight Kid APL here, she looks like she's back. She's back in top form. Uh, understanding, I think it was just a process of who eats the fall here. You're not going to have Suzu lose because she's going to more than likely go into the main event of your big show at the end of the year. Azumi's going to be challenging Julia at the very next pay-per-view. You can't have her lose. So it makes sense for Azumi to get the win here to give her a little bit more steam going to that match with Julia coming up next Saturday. Sally Kid's just coming off an injury. Um, not that big of a deal. She eats the fall here. You can build her back up, you know, towards the end of the year and going into next year. All, you know, I, I gave the last match four and a quarter stars. This one was four and a quarter stars, but I like the I just like the, the the shoot style a little bit more than this match. This was great. All three women look absolutely fantastic here. And uh, welcome back, Starlight Kid. Glad to have you back. But uh, yeah, excellent stuff here. Yeah, I gave it four stars. Um, I think it's important that Suzu does get that one big singles match before Dream Queen, just to remind everyone just how bloody good she is. Um, because it it does feel like ages ago that she actually won the five star Grand Prix, and obviously, as you mentioned, Mike, it's no one's fault. You know, injuries happen, and obviously, Storm didn't want to put all their eggs in one basket until they knew what was happening, and which is completely understandable. Um, but overall. It was, I would say it's a good show because of those three matches we've highlighted. Moneyball Tournament, take or leave. Those three matches make this show. Um, and obviously, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the next show and where Stardom goes from here. Um, but I just want to wrap up because we've got to talk about the show previews. But I know, Matt, you will want to talk briefly about EO and Kyrie Watch. So do you want to get that... Um, get that sorted, and then we'll talk about some of the cards. Oh, I'm glad. Usually, I'm the one that reminds you. You reminded me. Yes, EO Kyrie Watch will be pretty simple, even though they had a whole bunch of segments on this week's TV. Uh, last week on SmackDown, they started with the opening promo. Bailey basically saying it was her idea to bring Asuka into Damage Control. I cry BS on that one, Bailey. Um, damage Control then calls out. Uh, oh, excuse me, Sh- uh, EO. EO Shirai, she always be Shirai to me, basically says she wants to challenge Team Bianca and Team Flair to a War Games match coming up, and that'll happen this week in Chicago, Illinois. So Charlotte, Bianca, and Shotzi come out. They get bested by the four members of Damage Control, and then Team Charlotte basically says, we need to find a fourth member of this team. So they spend the majority, they do a great job of, even though there's no Damage Control actual matches on the show, of Having Bianca, Shotzi, and Charlotte go up to pretty much almost every female member of the roster to see if they want to be a part of War Games. And then the next scene you would see is Damage Control just beating up, beating up Mia Yim, beating up Selena Vega, basically showing that you're not going to have a fourth member. Nobody wants to be on your team. And then the last segment of the show, so they start the show and close the show. The last segment of the show is basically Bianca, asking charlotte did you call her because yeah i called her but i don't know if she's going to show up in time she's like the heck with it we'll take them on three on four so damage control comes out uh they start hyping up that it's going to be a four on three match this week on uh, war games and then you see uh becky lynch comes out from the crowd to a massive pop so that sets up for war games again this saturday it'll be eo Kyrie, Asuka, and Bailey taking on the team of Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, 
Bianca Belair and Shotzi Blackheart. Now, Rob, from what I understand, the opening segment and the closing segment that had our famed EO and Kyrie on, they averaged something to like 2.3 million viewers. Once again, showing that this damage control and this EO Shirai thing is definitely working, definitely drawing. And considering the fact that on the show you have no Roman Reigns, no John Cena, none of your ginormous stars, and the fact that EO segments are doing well over two and a quarter million views. I mean, this is a testament to how great EO is doing. Um, shout out to my main man, Darren Chatton, who uh, sent me a message yesterday saying, hey, I don't know if you're aware, but EO and Kyrie were on Raw. I said, oh, I will then have to watch Raw. Basically told me the segment that it was, and it was uh, Becky Lynch taking on uh, Zia Lee. And Becky Lynch does a great job getting uh, Zia Lee over in this match. Gives her a lot in this match. Zia Lee looks great. Ultimately, Becky hits the manhandle slam to uh, defeat Zia Lee. And then uh, we do see damage control jump the rail as we have a huge brawl between the two teams in war games ensues. And there's this really cool spot where all eight women are brawling on the outside floor. And then you see EO and Charlotte at the same time go to adjacent turnbuckles and hit their moonsaults off the top to the floor. And they both land on their feet and they both have this stare down as if EO is the leader of damage control going into war games. And Charlotte is the leader of her team going into war games as they just hit their both picture perfect moonsaults, taking the other six members down and then they have the stare off, and then it goes into another crazy brawl, which the crowd is then chanting, let them fight. So those are your EO Kyrie watch. Again, no matches, but at the same time, I'm really intrigued for this War Games uh, match. And taking all my EO and Kyrie bias out of this, Damage Control is the hottest thing that they have going right now. If Damage Control goes under on this War Games match to start this you know, Damage Control program, I think it is uh, the wrong thing to do, sir. Completely agree. Completely agree. Right, let's run through these cards because I've just seen the time and I have got football to go to. So obviously over these next couple of days, a lot of the talent is actually in Singapore. So you'll notice some people missing from these cards. So the card for the 23rd, which is tomorrow as we record, uh, is as follows. Miyu Amasaki versus Yuzuki. Um, Starlight Kid versus Yuna Mizumori versus Hanako. Alice Inc., the Scandinavian Hurricane, taking on Saya Ida in singles action. Nanai Takahashi and Hanan versus Natsukatora and Ruaka. Suzu Suzuki versus Megan Bain. And then Julia Mika and Mei Sakurai versus Suri Mirai and Amisori. We then move on to the 25th, which will see Suzu Suzuki versus Yuzuki. Hanan and Sayaida, Wingori taking on Hina and Miyu Amasaki. Amasori versus Hanako. Alice Inc. versus Ruaka, Megan Bain and Yuna Mizumori versus Suri and Mirai. And then your main event will be Julia Micah and Mei Sakurai versus Tora, Starlight Kid, and Rina. And then we have got the 26th of the 11th, which will be Sunday, I believe. Suri Mirai and Amisori versus Natsuka Tora, Ruaka, and Rina. Suzu Suzuki and Megan Bain versus Julia and Hanako. Hanan and Sayurida versus Micah and Mei Sakurai. Alice Inc. versus Yuna Mizumori. Miyu Amasaki versus Starlight Kid. And Hina versus Yuzuki. 
Um, and then, finally, we have got the card for that all-important Corican Hall show. That has all been made official. Um, and obviously, we will know a little bit more about who is going to be in that red belt picture at Dream Queendom. And I will ask for your predictions in a moment, Matt. Um, but the card from top, from bottom to top is as follows. Rina versus Yuzuki. Sayori Ano, Yuna Mizumori and Hanako versus Lady C, Miyu Amasaki and Hina. If they're going to do what you suggested, Mai, it would make sense for Ano to win here and then come out at the culmination of the next match, which is Sayori and Mirai versus Julia and Mei Sakurai. Alice Inc. versus Tekla. Uh, Six-woman tag then, Hazuki Hanan and Saya Ida versus Natsugatora, Starlight Kid and Ruaka. The return of Aphrodite. Um, oh, so happy to say that. And what a match they've come back for. The uh, the Queen's Quest A team, Utami Hayashishita, Saya Kamatani and Azumi taking on Suzu Suzuki, Megan Bain and Meisera. That is a very tasty six-woman tag. And then we have got that World of Stardom Championship contender match tournament with Mina Shirakawa taking on Momo Watanabe in the first round, Micah taking on Amisori in the first round, and then, of course, we have the final. Now, we will hopefully be talking about this next week. Um, if anyone from Stardom is listening or anyone from Stardom World is listening, it would be great if you could get these matches up as soon as that happens so we can review them. Um, but again, understand completely how busy you are. Um, Matt, what is your run-through of who you think is coming out in this tournament? Correct me if I'm wrong, brother. This show is on a Tuesday, though, right? It is on a yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, we record on a Wednesday. Yeah, soon we'll talk off air. Uh, maybe I'll text you later after football. That uh, we can talk about this next week, but I would like to actually watch the actual matches before I get an actual feel. So more than likely, we can kind of just breeze through this next week. There probably won't be two, two weeks until we give you an actual uh, review. Who is coming out of this tournament, my friend? Micah will be defeating Ami Sorry in the one block. I'm very, very confident on that. The other one, Agreed. I'm not really sure of. However, I'm super excited to watch it twice because, again, it's happening in Singapore. I can think of being Mina um, because you'd have a Mina Micah final would be the main event of that Corican show. However, I I'm pretty sure that Micah is going to win this tournament. I think they want to do Micah and Suzu. I think they want to run back that fantastic match at the five-star, and that's the match that I think that has the most heat going into it. Um, however... I think if you do a Micah versus Mina final, I think you'll have the crowd split at 50-50. And maybe they want Momo to win because Momo being the heel, it might be like 75-25. But that being said, I think it's going to be Micah versus Mina in the finals with Micah winning and then her getting the main event slot at Dream Queendom. Completely agree. I think Micah is set here for that that's shot it's the one that makes sense out of everything obviously they've got that ready-made feud with suzu suzuki literally in the pipeline with the whole you robbed me you know you weren't even here and then you've come and you've ruined my five-star run and you know attacking her after the dream uh the dream tag festival final i think so uh, you know it's a ready-made story there, and I think that they will blow it out of the water. Um, I personally think it'll be Momo Watanabe in the final, but otherwise completely agree with you. The only reason I think it's Momo is I believe didn't Momo beat Micah in the five-star as well. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Goodwin, not only is he the most handsome member of the stardom cast, at least on this week, but uh, the smartest as well. <laughs> <laughs> um uh... So, yeah, basically, I think we both think that Micah will be going, watch, it'll be bloody Amisori now. 
But yes, so that brings to an end. Real, real this quick, week's brother, episode. do you think uh, Af- oh. Aphrodite get the W here? And then because Megan Bain's in that match, then afterwards, Utami or Sai gets on the microphone and then they challenge Mike and Megan Bain to uh, the, for, the, for the vacant titles. Would not surprise me in the slightest. In fact, I have all my eggs in the Aphrodite basket. Me too. Scott as well. So as many people like, well, Matt and Rob agree on the same thing. I talked to a handsome Scotty wrestling and he agrees with us as well. So that might trump it for us, buddy. There you go. There you go. Um, now, just just before we go, I just I, I want to say, obviously, we've spoken about a lot during this podcast, and it's very easy to focus on the negatives. It's, you know, everything that's come out from the Julia interview and, you know, the Moneyball ladder match. It's very easy to focus on negatives, whether it's the booking or whatever. However, I want you to think about the positives at the end of this podcast. Okay? We now have a clear direction, a clear roadmap to stardom dream queendom stardom are highlighting future stars in amisori marais um, suzu suzuki and micah through a this tournament and marais run um marai versus sioriano was a fantastic white belt match saya utami and starlight kid are all back from injury and that Corican Hall show is a stacked card. The first stacked Corican we've had in a while. So yes, it's easy, especially with social media, to focus on the negatives. But think of all those positives that I have just gone through. The only way. Yes. Yes, Rob Goodwin. If I wasn't in my car, I'd be standing up. Standing ovation. I could not. As me being the one of the <laughs> positive people in this world. Uh, I can't say it any better, brother. Absolutely. So many positive things. Great job, brother. Kudos to you. Good, sir. Right. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Um, We really do appreciate every single one of you. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget, if you can, leave us a five-star review and a comment wherever you get your podcast. It thoroughly does help us get exposed to even more people and to help spread that great Joshi word. Um, You can follow us on social media at The Stardomcast, including our YouTube channel, which has been growing terrifyingly quick um don't forget if you haven't already you can subscribe to our patreon at the stardom cast extra www.patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast um loads of good things going on over there you can join for as little as a dollar a month but there's loads of tiers and loads of extra bonus content that you can join in with um if you want to talk to me i'm at at real rob goodwin on twitter again ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening matt turner sign us off good sir absolutely folks it is the busiest travel day of the year for us folks over here in america please be safe in your travels please take extra time to get to where you need to go so please do not text and drive and uh if since you're on a long travel why don't you listen to some episodes of the stardom cast it is also uh, the busiest drink, drinking weekend of the year. Please enjoy your drinks responsibly. If you're going to be out there, please make sure you have a DD or you call an Uber and a Lyft. And I also want to say, uh, that might come off a little uh, little corny, but that's okay. That's kind of who I am. I'm you know, on this week of giving thanks. I'm thankful for each and every one of you, whether you've listened to a podcast, shared an episode, retweet an episode, subscribe to our Patreon, or left us a five-star review. I am so thankful for all of you. And Rob Goodwin, again, I may be a little, maybe I'm getting a little soft in my old age, but brother, I am so thankful for you. Obviously, without this, without you, we do not have this show, and you are absolutely fantastic. Super thank you for the, thankful for the uh, friendship that me and you have required over the last two years. You're awesome, brother. You are awesome. Um, 
Any questions? Oh, thank yes. you, man. You too. Uh, uh, questions, comments, anything that I can do <laughs> for you, hit me up, Matt Turner, OF, on the Instagram and or the Twitter. Want to shoot me an email, the stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Folks, like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together and everybody's different. Everybody's special. <laughs>